the whole movie pass thing is so intriguing to me because yeah. it's starting to morph a little bit. I'm not sure if you guys like followed much of the stuff out at Sundance, but like mm-hmm. they basically have this offshoot called uh, Movie Pass Ventures, I believe. Mm-hmm. Like they're starting like a distribution model of their own. Like what? they they acquired a film at Sundance uh, in a joint effort with another studio. Right. But it's just really intriguing to me because what it seems that Movie Pass is trying to do, and it's it seems like they're doing it if they can maintain and scale their application. They are going after something that movie theaters are probably pissed they didn't get themselves, yes. which is data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is, I mean, every company now is paying for big data. Yeah. And MoviePass is doing something interesting because they are getting these people to use this app that tracks everything, whether we know what we're giving them or mm-hmm. not. Right, right. It's tracking a lot, it's tracking which movies you looked at, when you looked at it. It's asking, why did you decide to go see that one at that time at that theater? You know, all mm-hmm. these things. They're making these models, right. and they can use that. They can actually, I guarantee you, in a few years, there's going to be a chain of theaters that's going to be buying that data from them or somehow getting oh, yeah. it from them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because whether, or a theater or, a, or a, a studio, you know, because why would a studio not want that to be a part of their either their marketing plan or yeah. their distribution plan? Yeah. You know, the smaller movies you're talking about that you're going to see with MoviePass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it's influenced, and I'm sure it is by the fact that you can see as many as you want. But they can use that to say, well, where did that movie connect with people? Where did they see it? When did they see it? Yeah. You know what I mean? What time? Whatever. Like, there's such a big thing there in this in, in today's in today's technology that, like, data is everything. Yeah. And I'm becoming more and more aware of that, and it's really scary. Yeah. But it's like movie theaters who are dying or declining – have never attempted to collect data like that. No. Mm-hmm. They try by having these loyalty programs that, like, you know, you have to do that. Like, if you remember to give them your number, they'll it'll see what movies you saw or whatever. Mm-hmm. But something like this, you're being forced to use it in a manner that lets it collect everything it can about you. Have you seen the it. um the the Cinemark subscription yeah. plan thing? It's a joke. It is trash. <laughs> oh so shit. Are they serious? Is it like twice a month or something? It's stupid? like eight ninety nine. It's like a movie a month. <laughs> any ticket to any movie a month, and then I think your additional ticket is half price or something, right. and some kind of discount on concessions. concessions. And I think your ticket can like roll over for a number that of is months. Trash. Yeah, but I mean, when 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 I've literally just <laughs> gone to see my twentieth movie right. in a month and a half on Movie Pass, and I see them them hyping that, I'm just thinking, and I almost felt like you could feel everyone in the room like. <laughs> Yeah. I'm curious about that just in my own info gatherings yeah. like yeah. desires I'm curious when I'm looking around at a screening like how many of these people were are here because of movie pass right. next time you should stand up and ask yeah I, I've thought about it <laughs> <laughs> when it's like four people in the middle of the theater it's interesting because Netflix just work co- your way up to yeah. it Netflix is collecting his data at home mm-hmm. and Movie Pass is doing it, and I think that at some point, well, Netflix Mueller, knows when you pause, yeah. what, what you watch, yeah. you know, what minute you Netflix left. you stop. Acquire yeah. Movie Pass, yeah. <laughs> dude. Your brain would explode. All of our brains would explode. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Like they, I, I, they cannot function. You wait for it. Yeah. In, in the next few function. years, I yeah. bet you somebody's gonna buy that company. Let's go buy the shit out of it. Whether it's, it's a studio or what, or uh, or some other like third party kind of thing. I don't know. It's like Do you remember ne- you remember the first time somebody described Netflix to you? Yeah. Like before it was yeah. just at home. Yeah. You remember I it's it that's what happened with Movie Pass. And is. I have a similar feeling. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's like, What? You could what how, how many how many how many movies? Yeah. yeah. One a one a day. One a one a day? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a similar It'll be feeling. really cool to see what happens with it. But I mean like I just you know, I don't know. We we've all been like in some way are exposed and work with technology every day. Yeah. And it's just crazy that um, 
like at my company, seeing behind the scenes sometimes of like what kind of data they're collecting when someone goes to one of our sites. Right. And like the pre and post visit to the site, like what stuff tracks over. Yeah. It's like crazy Oof. what they can do, like predictive right. wise. Like the next time they come back, right. Right. that site looks different. And it looks different because of what they know you looked right, at before right. and after. Oh, it's, so it's creepy, but yeah. it's crazy. And I'm sure that this this is no this is no exception. Like like on the on the in that sense, it's not good. You know, all this yeah, convenience right, right, right. it's it comes with a cost. Yes. It comes with a serious cost. Like it especially if you Eventually are, we'll just be living in a Black Mirror episode. Right? Yes. <laughs> I, that's what I've been avoiding saying this we whole time. We end up being yeah. the movie. We yeah. are the movie. In every, well, we were describing that with all these mergers and mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the Fox Disney, yeah, Disney thing. Like so yeah, this is a, this is part and parcel of that. Just yeah. these companies that become monolithic and that become that's where you feel like you really couldn't do it without them, you know? I mean, I guess the key is like be aware of what you're doing. I mean, like I, I I'm I think because the three of us are in were were and in and are constantly taken in media, we we know what it. We you can see something in it. Like it's yeah. just a thing that you, we kind of share it in passing. Yeah. So just uh, to all the listeners, just be aware of what you're doing. As long as you're, you know, you have a, a a pretty good understanding of what you're getting into, the data that you're given, the things that you're giving out, um, just be aware of it. So if you don't care, if you don't care, fine, don't yeah. care. Mm-hmm. But if you're aware of it, like you know, when you get these pop ups asking you for permission to stuff, like read it, yeah. like Ronald's saying, seriously, and you you'll know what they're collecting. And I mean, it's pretty. I mean, in, in some cases, you got to dig a little bit. But I mean, on any company's website, you can go into their privacy policies and read what they're collecting on you. Yeah. yeah. If you really want to know, right, right, right. if you are scared to know, you would probably be very justified in that fear because it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you want to just go and live in your life and you're happy with what you're doing and not concerned about it, yeah, go for it. That's fine too. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's weird. Like it, it it's is. a spectrum of like being aware of it and but being okay with it or having zero clue. Right. You know, right. or or playing dumb to it. I don't know. Like, I mean, just going on. Facebook. You're yeah, just, no, it's crazy. You you look at something online, yeah. you go to Facebook, and it's there it's everywhere. in the middle of the... It's like, what? What the hell is... What speaker was on? <laughs> what the... microphone was on? It's like what you said, Steve, where you went after this site, where you went before this site, yeah. they can start to put together a picture of you. They don't have to be bugging your phone. Right, right. You know, it's scary and creepy enough without the, the bugging of the phone. So in that sense, yeah, I guess just if if you just use appropriate caution but i think that we're so ingrained in this internet thing right now that it's just it's another part of our absolutely existence i just hope no one listening thinks that we're using our real names on this podcast because right. that would be really irresponsible of us it is so my right. name's not really john <laughs> is mine steve i don't i don't think so i don't think so yeah, no, you don't look like a steve not. and it, my name is definitely not ronald all right I can confirm that, that you are not. <laughs> and you're not listening to Movie Schmovie. This is definitely not our big episode, uh, our biggest episode maybe of the year in a way. And mm. maybe the fact that we just talked for 15 minutes about Movie Pass oh, yeah. uh, is evidence that we're stalling because yeah. this is always the most nerve-wracking episode of the year. This is our top films of 2017. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. It all comes to this. Episode 207. This episode brought to you by Movie Pass. Yes. <laughs> In a way, it even is. though it's not. If you download yes. this podcast, they've collected data on you, yeah. and right, right. Um, exactly. we are buying it from them. <laughs> and about half of the opinions that I have were developed due to the uh, you know for the benefits yeah. of the Movie Pass program. Right, right. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are on that train though. I really, I really, really need to get on that train harder like it, it really bums me out i bought the annual one uh, yeah, yeah. and i'm just like i gotta i gotta get this going because like 
I wish I could go see so many things. And I mean, there's like probably three or four movies right now that Aaron and I keep wanting to go because we bought one for her too. I just, we just can't get to the movies, man. Right. It's fucking crazy. Well, like you having have a six a, month you have old. A very good yeah. excuse. You know, and like finding in the right time to have somebody watch her for us to go and you catch got a something. Dog, right? Can't your dog watch the baby? I'm, tra- I'm training her. Uh, yeah. I'm training her. She's doing okay. That could work. Yeah. I mean, if the baby just slept long enough, I could just Dang. leave her and come back. I don't know if that would work. I got cameras, but... <laughs> I mean, this sounds like a cute as hell movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's table that conversation. Yeah. And let's talk afterwards. Ellie's babysitting service. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I did. I was able to see a couple, couple movies that... Or I don't know if any of the movies that made my top ten were benefiting from my Movie Pass membership, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but movies. Uh, as I as I did my annual IMDb uh, Excel sh- spreadsheet export of all my ratings to figure out which movies I liked the most. Yeah, I, I kind of like built a list of roughly thirty five movies and kind of dwindled it. Okay, but um, there were definitely some films in there that I I saw on behalf of Movie Pass. So. Mm-hmm. The it did get me into some movies. Has it been a mad dash for either of you to to watch movies in the last few days to get ready for this episode? Like, have you crammed? I have to be honest. There's a few that I did not get to see that mm-hmm. are films that are Oscar nominated films. So we can have a quick conversation of that in a moment. Yeah. But I feel like over the last like two or three weeks, I kind of metered it out nicely, where I mm-hmm. wasn't like rushing up to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there are two films that I admittedly did not finish watching. Mm-hmm. Movies that I did not dislike, but just through the point that I got through them, I knew that they would not make my list. That's why I asked, because I found that in the last few days, if I watched anything that started to feel like it wasn't going to make the list, I was like... Well, this is two hours I've just wasted. Yeah. yeah. When otherwise I would have been fine with a with a kind of mildly entertaining movie for a couple I'm, hours. I got that headspace. But I did finish all of them. Uh, uh, I have yet to walk out. But there was one movie that I considered walking out of just because I was just like, there's nothing here for me. What's that? Uh, that would be Hostels. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right. Oh, you wow. You mentioned that. Okay. I mean, I was tired. It was long. It, mm-hmm. It's just, it was, it's this deliberately paced thing. I wasn't really buying into it. It wasn't bad, but I just, I, okay. I had that thought of like, within the first hour of going, no, this isn't going to be that little <laughs> sneaky one that sneaks onto the list. Right, at the right. End. There was one of those for me. It's hot. This, this isn't your, uh, the gray. Right, right, <laughs> no, right. No, right. no, I, I have had one of those or my Captain Phillips, right, right. which yeah. jumped in, which is often something I had to watch out for these last couple of years is those movies that come in late that have a, a huge emotional moment in them. If I have a strong reaction to a movie, it might make it go higher up Coming on the list. Hot. Yeah. yeah, which is which is uh, you know that's that's a real reaction. No, but it's, totally. But it's, that's a benefit of your approach, Steve. Yeah. Is that you're not coming in too hot with any of those movies because yeah. you're not like thinking okay I finally saw something and it really was great and I've got to put it on my list you right. know, yeah. you've got some time to think there was one I thought that was going to make the list that didn't make the list I started watching it cut it off a half an hour into it I wonder if it's the same one I cut off we can talk later <laughs> <laughs> interesting uh, it's a huge one it's yeah. a huge one okay yeah um, so let, let's let's talk real quick what uh what movies did you did you not get to see any films that yes. you wanted to see? I didn't that, like, see the that, post. like if you, if it was a few. Okay, the post. I okay. know the post was probably maybe possibly gonna make my. I love all the people in the movie. Right. I love the subject matter. I had a feeling that based on that, it may have made the list. Right. And I didn't see it. So that was. I and the Phantom Thread. Sorry. Oh, I didn't get around to seeing Mudbound. Me either. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't get around thing. to seeing BPM. Me either. Which okay. I've heard good things about. I, I, yeah, I've heard of that. That was not on my radar, though. The only other one, Oscar-wise, was Darkest Hour. 
I didn't see. Oh yeah, probably wouldn't have put that on my list, but I definitely wanted to see. I was just so. uh, yeah, this I like the check it. boxes of trying yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah. I um, see it. And what was the other one? You know what sucks about Phantom Mudbound? Thread. Phantom Thread. I didn't Phantom see. Thread. I really want to see Phantom yeah. Thread. What sucks about Mudbound though is that it's so accessible. It's, it's there. And <laughs> it's like it was because <laughs> right of that there. though. I it's been there for a while too. Yeah. I find that sometimes it's hard for me. I'll watch an episode of a show. I'll watch a documentary. Or yeah. a uh, true crime show. I've watched uh, f- all four episodes of The Toys That Made Us yeah. on, on Netflix. Uh, but so good. It is good. Putting on a two-hour Netflix movie, mm, no matter yeah. how good it looks, I feel like I want to watch that. I feel like I want to sit down and watch a... It's like a family saga, sure, you know? Sure, mm. I want to watch that on, on my television. I want to at least make give it a little bit of ceremony. It didn't yeah. feel like the kind of thing I could pull up on my iPad and kind of watch around the house the way I can a series or... Sure. Or a documentary. So I think that's what made me keep, I kept kicking it down the road until I was at a point where I was just like, okay, I don't have two and a half hours to sit down and watch this movie before before we have this conversation. So I, f- I feel bad for that. I have a question what? Uh, for each of you. Um, what about your lists make them uniquely you? Have you noticed a pattern this year? I have. <laughs> what is I it? probably shouldn't say the pattern. Oh, though. damn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give yet. Because I, I was like, I will say this. Usually when making... I was talking to my wife about this before I left to come to this podcast. Usually when making this, I have such a hard time. Uh, you have two conversations. What were the best movies mm. of the year? Yeah. And there's a different list, which is called my favorite movies of the year. Yes. So it's like usually one. when I'm making these lists with you guys, when we do it for the past number of years and even prior to this podcast, like I always have a really hard time like kind balancing of them? yeah balancing them and like feeling okay with decisions i've made mm. for the list like how is that better than this right. is it better than that or do i just like like it more yeah, yeah you know like and do i just like it more today right well i feel differently after lunch right yeah, and, and there the are worst. some movies on the list and what i found the way that the list kind of settled out for me was that this year it felt like there was a little more of the these were my favorite movies mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. where like some of them would hit both both check marks right. like this was a great film mm-hmm. but it's also one of my favorite um and there are a few on there that kind of more like this is one of the better movies of the year but like i just still really enjoyed it you know yeah. there's a balance and i felt like this year and we talked about this ended up i think we'd all agree was a pretty impressive year for movies yes. Yes. when you come back and look at it now yeah. but um it was interesting to see, like, as I started to get this list down and down and down, I was like, wow, like, I don't know if I have a ton of, like, the awards movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I do have some, you know, but I'm not, like, it's not, like, lo- it's not, like, a murderer's row of these, like, prominent <clears throat> awards darling <throat> movies. There's definitely more of these movies on here that I would say, I just fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. It was totally for me. Yeah. And that was kind of a fun thing this year because I feel in years past... I've like been intimidated by embracing that idea of like I just fucking love this movie. Yeah. Not like this movie impressed me, you know, yeah. or like those this, it was a technical achievement or or whatever. Or whatever makes you although even those are reasons you might personally connect with a movie. Yes. But yes. I know what you mean about that list that you know is out there of movies that are supposed to be on your list. Right. And you feel sort of bad if you don't put one of those on your list. You feel like you have to have a reason. Yes. So I don't know. I guess I would say what's unique about it, Ronald, is kind of similar to what Steve is getting at, which is that it is very much a mix of the of the the darlings and the stuff that I just had a good time in the theater. But also, I think a heavy uh, thread of maybe movies that even have a fatal flaw in them. Maybe maybe movies that I would have an argument 
about, but movies that would be fun to have a conversation about mm-hmm. and that are thought provoking and that have at least moments of like utter grace and clarity mm-hmm. and, and a moment that may have reduced me to a, a quivering puddle or, you know, and most of these movies have done that in some, in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there's that other side of it. That's just, you have to kind of go with your gut at this very moment. I have a different list than I had five minutes before you guys got here and we all sat right. down. So <laughs> I, I mean, I've been shifting things around. So the, the bottom five, we're just doing a round robin real quick, but the final five are going to be the ones that we're like, Going into a little bit more. Okay, cool. All right. Did you have anything that you took away from the way you made your list? I like, like I like small movies. Like that's that's just I like my, small movies. I like, I like movies that are small with heart, and there are a couple that play into that this year and period. Like I and I, I honestly I love that all of our tastes have some real big similarities and some real big differences. Which will give our listeners some, you know, some suggestions for movies to see. Um, especially if there are some ones that I'm probably going to name that are not going to be on anybody's list just because they're not quite as accessible. So mm-hmm. I think that there's this always happens to me every year is that there's like a movie or a collection of like two or three films like rotating around three spots mm-hmm. and like one is being pushed out of the top 10 yes. mm-hmm. and I can't consolidate in my mind which one it should be yes. and like you're saying you, you've changed your list in the past half an hour yeah I may have just changed it while we were <laughs> while you were talking <laughs> uh, but there's like that selection of like whether it's 9 8, 9, 10 or 10, 11 9, 10, 11 whatever mm-hmm. there's that movie that I, I'm just like why is how is that movie not in my list mm-hmm. like it should be right and I'm just like, should I push this one out or should I move? And it's like, yeah, there's like crazy anxiety. But the funny thing is, though, honestly, like beyond like 13, I'm pretty confident that like those top 13, I mean, I have a top 10, but I'm saying like yeah, past 13, past 13, I'm not anxious about up it. or 13? Down. Like okay, 14 but... through whatever. Okay. Like I'm not like as anxious. How? Be- because Are we naming it... 10? How many yeah. are we naming? Well, it's a top 10. Oh, you mean fourteen? You... He's saying I'm that the, he's saying he's I'm saying so... basically my top thirteen movies are the ones I'm having anxiety over, <laughs> oh. and they're ordering. Okay, he's mm. saying that any movie in those top thirteen could have been in the top ten. Right, I'm sorry. right. I, my heart right. started yeah. racing. No, I was like, no, 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 no. Because oh, usually, you, and that's what I'm saying. Like when I'm right. thinking about what of an impressive year it's been, because like I'm usually pretty sure of the movies that are in the ten. It's just the order of them. Yeah, it's just that this year there's been a, there was a couple that I saw that like had some effect on me. Whether it was a shock value or like I had no expectation or I felt like something about it was very, uh, it was like a revelation or something. And I, I have that situation yeah. as I speak to you that there's a movie that I'm just like, which one, despair in your which eyes. one is not going to make the cut? Like, how do I, how do I, I don't know, man. How do I, uh, how do I do this, John? I don't know what to do, man. Can I go first? I guess so. If you want to get started. Oh my God. Okay. Number two. We're going this way. All right, this way tonight. Okay, all right. So, um, my number ten is a Japanese movie uh, by the famous director Takashi Miike. You've probably seen uh, Ichi the Killer, mm-hmm. Thirteen Samurais. There's a movie called Blade of the Immortal about a guy who uh, loses his sister and gets cursed to live forever, and he has to kill a thousand people before he loses his immortality because it's like a curse to him. Mm-hmm. It is beautifully shot. It is amazing. Blade of the Immortal. Blade of the Immortal. If you like martial arts, you like people dying, uh, you like a cool story of redemption with a lot of cool, weird characters with some has some magical elements to it. Right. Blade of the Immortal. See it. 
my number nine, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Incredible movie. Uh, it didn't make my top five, not because it was a terrible movie. It just had a Harry Potter-like uh, sequence that lowered it a little bit. But in terms of just greatness, it is my is in my top ten. Beautiful. Okay. Number eight, Spider-Man Homecoming. Thank you so much for rebooting for the third time and being an incredible movie and opening up a world with a youth that is uh, cool and charismatic. Number seven, The Florida Project. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but it is super weird slice of life movie about these badass kids in this crazy environment. It is so funny, so ridiculous, and you know some kids like this growing up, definitely. Yeah. Um, number six, and my final, I, Tanya. <laughs> I, Tanya is one of the coolest movies I've seen in a really long time. Margot Robbie has range, beyond range, and I think it is to be um, noted that she produced, uh, executive produced, she was, she helped with every aspect of this. She found funding for this movie. It's She did every aspect of this movie that you could possibly do and killed it. And she did, she like co-directed it too, right? Like she, she didn't. She produced it. She produced it, okay. Great movie, I Tanya. That's my last pick. God bless you. All right, so no, go God ahead. bless you. <laughs> All right, cool. now me. Yep. All right. So at number ten, I actually have a movie that definitely you, Ronald, influenced me to see, and maybe you uh, uh, vouch for this movie as well. But Rigsby Bear, yeah. Ooh. coming in at number ten. Yeah. Now I, this is a movie that almost like shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have. And I, I hope we get to have a, more of a conversation about it at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it even had elements that in another movie would have seemed like really schmaltzy or really twee or really self-satisfied or smug. But there's something in Kyle Mooney's performance in this movie that's got such heart and brings out what I love about his comedy and yet puts it not quite in the real world. It is a little bit of quirky indie world, uh, but it's not – I don't know. I feel like it's very self-aware of that and – um, it's just full of little nice touches and full of moments where every time I thought, okay, this concept is starting to run its course for me, there would be something that would really hit me in the gut. Right. Uh, and I think it, the way it makes you think about obsessions with, with art that other people have made, with being obsessed with art that you're making, with being a person who's handing down art to another person. I mean, as a father and as a son and as a pop culture geek, this movie really spoke to me about all of those things. Um, and okay. uh, and had some really cool performances in it. I mean, I'm really glad that you you kind of sold it to me because I had sort of passed on it thinking right, right. this is indie quirk. I'm not in the mood for indie quirk, but it, it had some soul to it. So gotcha. so thank you for Brigsby Bear. I'm glad you well, liked it. Uh, and also coming in at the nine spot, a movie that was also very bizarre and just kind of captured my imagination while I was watching it. Uh, it is very slow, progresses in lots of long takes. It's only mm. got maybe. You know, therefore, it's it's got these long scenes that are just one shot, but they're all interesting shots. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys saw David Lowry's Ghost Story. Mm-mm. Nope. What a mind blowing movie in some really quiet ways. Like, uh, I was not happy to hop on the Casey Affleck train for for various reasons. You know, with his public image and everything uh, lately. Um, you mean him just being. An Affleck? Or well, I know that, that controversy. Well, you know he's got the him the, being the younger one. He's got the the accusations and the allegations what? from what his past, but they were all settled the before. But they were settled. Oh, so it's one yeah. of those things where money exchanged hands, and so there's no story. 
But there's, I don't know what you guys are there's, talking there's about. There's whispers I'm... and rumors about Casey oh, Affleck. Oh, Jesus. Um, did you not he, notice he's that? He's backed out of the Oscars to presenting the Best Actress Award. And Brie Larson didn't hug him or, or you know, like come into contact, contact with him yeah. when, when she presented what? him with the award. Yeah. Last year. What about, Last year. What about Gary Oldman? Why is he? Oh, he's not though. I mean, he's like he's getting is talked about too. Is nobody saying anything about him beating his wife on the phone? You know, I think that people talk about it, and it's just it's just like, not a thing. I think if people talk about make... it before all this happened, you're sort of already in the open. I can't figure out what people are choosing. But to I think be... the reckoning will come for guys like that at yeah. some point. It's just it's like you, your story has to break in right. this current age to be taken down instantly. But they'll get to the Gary Oldman. It has Oldman's. to be Jezebel, is yeah. what you're saying. And the cool thing about Gary Oldman's situation, for him anyway, uh, is that he's disguised as Winston Churchill right now, so he'll just blend right in. No one will be yeah. able to catch him. Yeah. Um, no, the um, the next movie on my list, after cool. Ghost Story... No, but just to say about Ghost Story, it, it takes this really simple concept, and it could be a goofy idea of someone is becomes a ghost, and they're literally a, a ghost in a sheet, mm. you know, with two eye holes cut in it. But it starts to bend space and time, and it has a lot to do with... Like a ghost haunting a particular place. If you've ever had that feeling about a place, not like it was haunted, but just like all the people that have passed through a place. Like in this house when I moved in, you know, the the it was built in the in the thirties and there was a couple that lived here before us that lived here for probably thirty years or something. And so you you just think about all the history and all the other people that have passed through this place and the way this ghost is kind of connected to the house that he was in before he died. It it's just it's really thought thought provoking and, and deep. In the way that it unspools, like I said, these really slow-moving scenes. So I hope that people sit down with a lot of patience. I noticed that this was one of those where on Rotten Tomatoes the critic score was high and the audience score was low. But I recommend it, especially if you've been impressed by David Lowry's like mastery of tone and pacing. Like I know you were a fan of Pete's Dragon, yeah. And you know that he's got a knack for that kind of sweet simplicity that just comes across uh, without a lot of flash. So. Cool. A ghost story. Cool. Uh, I also at uh, except I have it at eight. Uh, the Florida Project. Oh, cool! A movie that is almost undone by an ending that I, that, so that struck me as weird. But yeah. as far as up to that moment, the characters, these unknown or untrained actors that yeah. are very naturalistic, really gives you a a look at characters that normally filmmakers don't give a second thought to. Very much like Tangerine, his yeah. first film, the director's first film. Um, so yeah, I loved Florida Project, and yeah. it has a great moment in it uh, Willem Dafoe there's a scene where he he scares off a, a creepy old man oh, who's like hanging around this yeah. uh, you know this complex and he's watching the children play yeah. that scene is one of my favorite scenes of the year it was just so riveting and uncomfortable and yet just such a great scene for Willem Dafoe and also I like that the movie it's not about this old white guy who's like the savior of these kids right. Willem Dafoe the trailer kind of sells you on a story that's not really what the movie is yeah. about the movie's much more about the kids and particularly the relationship between the main girl and her mother uh, it's really just very naturalistic yeah it's really uh, well very great stuff so that was The Florida Project coming in at, at number seven for me is Wind River oh that was gonna fuck uh, I believe it's written and directed yes by T- Taylor Sheridan who wrote Sicario right did he write the Hell or High Water and Hell or High Water did he write? The... He wrote Hello High Water too. Man, this guy. Did he write the sequel to Sicario that's coming out? Yes. Okay. So I'm pretty. Sh- yeah, I'm 95 percent sure. Okay. Yes. We could verify, but yeah. yeah. Um, when was fucking yeah. gorgeous. And super really intense, good. and of a certain thread of movies that that kind of intense, brooding, serious kind of action movie. This was this was the the best of the year for me of that mm-hmm. of that vein. 
And then coming in at number six for me, um, we talked about it earlier in the year. It's really just from effects down to the characters, down to the story, down to the way that it tied up a really good trilogy. Uh, War for the Planet of the Apes earned a spot at number six cool. on my list. Steven. Numero six. I mean, I'm, I'm tracking what you guys are saying real quick. Okay. So. I love I love that you have Florida Project. That makes me so happy because I, I, I didn't know anybody else that saw it, and I didn't talk to you guys about it. Well, that's so. what I mean when I, before we started recording about movies that we just haven't talked about that have come out in the last them. few months. That yeah. was one that I definitely think we would have we would have done an episode about if we yeah. if we. Are you, you ready? Or yeah, you yeah, yeah. No, uh, I wasn't going to cut you off. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, yeah. I like the Florida Project too. I, it, it didn't make my list, but it just reminds me of like you know you've like done something really bad as a kid and yeah. you're like breathing really heavy when you get in the house and you, your parents are like, "What happened?" You're like, Nothing. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> uh, you broke a window or something. It's just fucking amazing. <clears throat> uh, so my 10 to 6, uh, number 10 is I, Tanya. Ron already Ooh. mentioned it. Just, um, I don't know like what it is about that, that kind of movie. Right, I just right. really liked how like the quick edits, the breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. It's got this like kind of pseudo like Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street thing going on for yeah, it. it. Um I don't really find that it really kind of glorifies Tanya Harding all that much. Yeah. Um, I think it definitely just speaks more on like the reality that like how classism is existing in pro- professional figure skating, which is a fact, right, right, you know. Right. And like no one's saying I don't. I didn't watch the movie saying I, I should feel bad for her, you know. I I didn't come out like that. I know it's gotten some a bit of flack for that, um, but I mean I think that just the fact that it's her story and that Nancy Kerrigan is is not a big part of it and has isn't given much. I think the people see that on paper yeah. and it sounds bad, but yeah, right. the movie definitely does not glorify her no. as a human being. Right. At all. And, I, and that's, that was my takeaway too. I mean, yeah. I feel like the key is, is like people saying that, you know, why is it Nancy Kerrigan? in it? it's cause it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Tanya's yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like you mentioned Sebastian Stan's great in it. Allison Janney. So I mean, honestly, the guy that plays his bodyguard or her bodyguard so from, from kingdom. Oh, is he from um, kingdom? Okay. Kingdom. Yeah. I'll watch Steve, it, guys. you've converted me. Yeah. Thank you, bro. <laughs> you've converted me. Thank you, thank you. He I'm... is so good in that. I don't know his full name. He's one of those guys that has three names. So yeah. He's in the first, middle, last. Yeah. But he is great. <clears throat> and um, I would, anybody that liked Itania, um, if you can find the YouTube footage of like the archival interviews with the real life guy that he's playing. Oh, no. Like, it is ridiculous how good he is in this fucking movie. It reminds me of, um, someone has got to pull up his name so that we're giving him some glory, but it reminds me of... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Judah Freelander in in American Splendor playing the nerd guy. Yes. Like yeah. how when you see him play that guy and then you see the guy, you go, oh, my God, what a brilliant performance. You know, that you wouldn't have known was a brilliant performance until yeah. you saw the footage. Paul Walter Hauser? Yes. Sean yes. Eckert. Yes. So Just Google the Sean Eckert, like, interviews. <laughs> like, any of the okay. TV interviews he's done. I mean, he's got him. Yeah. He's got oh, his okay. number. And in the You're movie, right. it's 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 like... It's the kind of thing where you're just like, it couldn't have been that ridiculous. <laughs> and when you watch the real life interviews, you're just like, oh my god, like he was that ridiculous. Well, I mean, I Tanya was my number eleven, so it would have been <laughs> and that, that, number this ten is, on this my is list. That conversation, yeah. right? Like this is the one I felt like I had to get in the list, and I had to push one out. 
You're right about the Scorsese feeling, the, yeah. the way that it keeps moving. I don't know how I felt overall about like the structure, the with like the interviews and the constant like the talking breaking the fourth wall. But some of that really, really was funny and really got me into the story. So, but yeah, yeah you you said it uh, with Sebastian Stan. But I mean, I'd heard Allison Janney was great and could believe it. Margot Robbie is is often great in things. I mean, at this point, yeah. she's turning out to be one of those people that I'll just stop being surprised that she's good at something. I fucking love her. But Sebastian really Stan, good. I didn't know what to expect from because you could almost think that any guy with like the, the the right cheekbones and the muscles could play Bucky you know yeah, like I didn't yeah. know how good of a performance that was but now that I've seen him do a total different physicality yeah. total different vibe I was really impressed by that especially with how that character kind of plays with your sympathies because you <clears throat> yeah. almost want to like him but he's a monster and you he know punches her in the face and you're uh, like so brutal and f- I just don't know if I liked I mean I think we were supposed to be uncomfortable with that you yeah, know yeah, uh, and I think that like to say that I don't know if I liked how they depicted the violence is not to say that I think that they were they were saying it was great. Right. But I do think that movie is like I was saying before there's movies you could have a conversation yeah. about. Almost like not quite this is a controversial film. But I do think you could debate all this stuff about does it glorify the wrong kind of person? What is this movie really trying to do? Is it almost maybe take the opposite side, not is it glorifying Tanya Harding, but is it kind of kicking someone who's down, you know, the way that it depicts these sort of low lives. And yeah. I, I do sometimes have a distaste for the way that actors like the way pretty people ugly themselves up for oh, movies boy. sometimes yeah i can, we can have a conversation you know about like that. it's a little bit like okay you've just made yourself a normal person like by being you know like <laughs> eva mendez doesn't wear makeup and she's she's a normal person right, or whatever. Right, right, right. um but no i thought it was uh it was a really fascinating film and really watchable too like definitely yeah. not boring for a second the only thing that bugged me really was the digital uh oh don't we get talking me, about that don't <laughs> get me started yeah. on that weird head spinning stuff that they kept doing uh but it was it's a great movie yeah though. Yeah. <clears throat> My number nine was Coco, ah. uh, the newest Pixar joint. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Mm. I, I love um, learning about things I don't know about, yeah. and um, especially like in a feel-good, safe place like a Pixar film. And um, I like the idea of representation in movies and like actually having a cast that is of that nationality and like mm-hmm. learning about holidays i know nothing about like it was a great experience for me to watch coco i've seen it three times and every time you know i do that thing in the last 15 minutes of every pixar movie where i cry yeah it's either the first or the last um um and that i don't know i just i just it's a really well well well-rounded story great characters um the emphasis on family and you know memories and things like that just fucked me up from the get-go and never forgetting people like it's it's a really important thing to me as a person mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, seeing it in a context of a culture that I really I admittedly don't know a ton about it it, it educated me and, right. and that doesn't happen a lot in movies more often than not it's just like a it's like an experience like just to get out of your head but mm-hmm. this is something that actually got into my head and was like wow like I, I like knowing more because of this Pixar film right, right. so I love Coco um, number nine uh, number eight was War for the Planet of the Apes just a great period at the end of an amazing trilogy Arguably one of the better trilogies ever in movies. Um, I think oh. that what Andy Serkis has done with Caesar is phenomenal. Um, I think the conversation of like, you know, where does performance uh, between like a live action performance versus like a character, like a motion capture kind of thing, like he's done so mm-hmm. incredibly. Um, watching a movie like this, how they have the technology down for all the apes in the film is, yeah. it, 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 it is. It is astounding to me that it's motion capture. It's gorgeous. Like it's amazing. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like there's there's a handful of characters in different films or TV that we talk, talked about. Like 
I don't know that there's many that are on the level of I felt like how invested I was in the character of Caesar through the course of all three films. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I just felt like it was a great ending to the story and a great tie to what came before it and maybe what comes after, whatever they do yeah, with this still property. Hasn't, the fact that they wrapped up that trilogy without without failing, like, it still hooks up to right. the original. <clears throat> right. Like, it doesn't perfectly hook up, and there's certain things that you could see where they could do more movies in this world. But, yeah. like, it, I like that throughout all three movies, they did not do anything that would preclude right. Charlton Heston crashing on, Absolutely. you know. It doesn't and that, that's that's amazing. Anyway. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Um, what else? So that was number eight. Number seven is Blade Runner 2049. Okay. Uh, not, I, I respect Blade Runner. I like Blade mm-hmm. Runner, but Blade Runner 20, uh, Blade Runner 49 is like the exception of thing where you would, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that I find it, I like that movie more mm-hmm. than the original Blade Runner. I still haven't seen it, man. Um, I feel so bad. One of the few times I feel like I actually felt Harrison Ford's performance mm-hmm. and he did not phone it in and cool. I was into his character Loved Ryan Gosling. Um, I don't know the the actress's name that plays like the holographic girlfriend that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff between them I thought was incredible. Fucking gorgeous movie. Yeah, Roger Deakins. Oh my god, mm. how has this man never won an Oscar? I was going to say that's one of the few is, uh, contests that I actually uh, care about. Yeah, and I'm a little sad that he's up against like what is it? The, is it the first female cinematographer? First female cinematographer. So right. it's Rachel like Morrison. I, you yeah. know, but it's his 15th time or something yeah. to be nominated and never win. Yeah. And he makes such beautiful pictures. So yeah, it is. It is gorgeous. Yeah, it is. Even the score is really in, in, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. And just like this, like we talked about it a lot with like with Mad Max Fury Road, just like a palette of this on right, the screen, right, right. Mm-hmm. you know, the 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 reach of color and saturation and darkness and light and man, it just it was I this is one of the ones I've saw more recently, like literally in the last week, mm-hmm. and it just knocked me out. Like I watched it in my house with my surround sound and it Oh I bet. It it was incredible. Right, right. It's cool. Um, and on more viewings, I have no doubt that this probably would go higher on my list. Gotcha. But literally, I saw it Friday night. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Right, right. Um, and my number six is Dunkirk. Um, interesting. Inter- uh, interesting angle for a war film. I love the idea of the land, air, sea. <clears throat> I love the idea of the movie not as much, not being as much about the characters as about the time and the war and and what that battle meant to the war. Um, it's cool that you do follow characters that, you know, like Tom Hardy's character, I thought was really interesting. <clears throat> and like the scene of him landing the airplane on the beach, I thought was incredible. Mm-hmm. And just an amazing, like, kind of ending to this interesting storytelling. You know, for anybody that's criticizing, like, you know, like a lack of narrative or like the characterization, you know, character development, not having that. And people that kind of discriminate against that with a lot of Christopher Nolan films. I just don't understand that in this film. I don't mm-hmm. understand why why that has to be a thing with this movie. Um, it's well, it's a- so clearly trying not to do that. Yes, you know, like yeah. it's like when it, when the mission statement of the movie is to avoid the usual trappings of the war movie and yes. setting you up with certain characters, the archetypes that you know. And I mean, so I think that yeah, it's a weird complaint, especially because it was a short movie mm-hmm. i mean it could have easily been, this is the sort of movie yeah. that you would expect to be bloated blade runner yeah. 2049 yeah, exactly. length, like close to three hours and it was not it was under two i think yeah it was like an hour and 42 minutes yeah hour and 40 minutes and it's non-stop um and it is an interesting like i mean i took henry to see it you know because i thought maybe he'll get into this I, i've never taken him to see something quite that sort of adult 
How did he like it? He really liked it. I mean, he mm. thought it was really well made, and we talked about the uh, the history about it. Yeah. And we talked about why they chose to chop up the timeline in an interesting way, which is sort of part of the puzzle of the movie. I and love I th- that. I think that that is one of the things that got criticized, too, yeah. is that Christopher Nolan is like, he's got to have a puzzle aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was, like, I think once I figured out once I decoded it, I, yeah. I, I wanted to see it again, knowing what I knew, because I was I spent the first chunk of the movie trying to figure out, like what those uh, what that text on the screen really meant. Yeah. And now I totally get it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I agree with you. A really cool experiment, and it, yeah, this was definitely in my. Honestly, this is one where I'm now saying, how the hell did this one end right. up? I'm looking at now. It's down to like a, like twelve or thirteen. It's like this is yeah. It's like how did yeah. that not end up on the list when it's such an achievement in terms of the. Um, all the practical that's, that's stuff what I was that's just in say. it, like, yeah. like the almost total absence of CGI. The yeah, what is on the screen is what you see, like okay. or you know what you could touch. Like I, I <clears> love <throat> seeing that kind of filmmaking, and we talk about that a lot. Like when we had conversations about like the Star Wars stuff and like how they had practical uh, costumes and like puppetry and things like that. Right. You can like you can feel that that when it's real on the screen, when it's right. not a, an effect like you just said, or CG or whatever. Um, there's so many scenes in this movie that just the staging of the shots, the blocking, I mean, just that shot on the beach, like when all the men are lined up and it's just the planes are coming in. I mean, I just, I mean like Christopher Nolan, like whatever type of movie he's doing, I'm thankful that he's making films. Mm -hmm. You know, he is swinging for the fucking fences every time. Yeah. Whatever the genre, whatever it is, especially now where he's at and you know, a movie like Dunkirk, you know, makes $500 million is a huge box office success. And that's a win for that kind of storytelling mm-hmm. and a win for him, obviously. And you know, it's, it's nominated for Oscars and things of that nature. But I just love seeing, um, a different kind of war movie. And like, yeah. it does kind of like, what, what am I looking at? What is this Matt? What's the land piece? What, what is this? Yeah. And then when it clicks and you start to pick up the timelines and where they're interacting and why he chose to do certain things like that, I don't know. I just I loved it. I mm-hmm. I absolutely was entranced by it. I I um and there was something about that moment. I don't know why that scene with the Tom Hardy landing the plane on the beach. Like something just like I just mm-hmm. felt like something in me. Like when he did that. Like there was some sort of relief or some crescendo that just like leveled off to me. Um because everything else like that that is the last piece of it. You yeah. know what I mean? And and it, and there it is. And it was I loved it. Loved Dunkirk. Yeah. So Dunkirk was the movie that I stopped watching a half an hour in. Oh, okay. But not because it. I don't want to watch it. It just right. did, did the timeline mess you up, or I think maybe that's what it is. So this is going to be around the Oscar. I'm going to watch it for the Oscar yeah. piece that we're doing, which is the cool part about what we do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can watch it then, and then I'll feel better. Yeah, I, I, I was rushing in all these like really highly emotional, sure people dying at a pretty high rate sort of movies. I was like, I can't do this today. And I couldn't for a while, so like I watch it towards our Oscar talk. So I'm I'm super excited. It's good. So I have, I just got a a 4K copy of it through uh, Apple, and it's I started watching it. It is, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll I'll definitely watch it in the next couple of weeks. And who knew Harry Styles was an okay actor? Yeah. Right. One so, Direction. So you said you didn't see Blade Runner twenty forty nine. No, I didn't and, see those and, two and movies. It, and it's it was another one that missed my top ten. So before we move on from it, what do you think about the way that movie performed against the money that was spent on it? It was such an interesting. It feels like now an interesting experiment almost mm-hmm. that they put so much into a sequel that is itself a sort of 
demanding by yeah. by the current market standards. That's yeah. that's a long, thought provoking, heady sci fi film that's really much more about the things you mentioned the score, the kind of grandeur, the pacing that you're dipping into that Blade Runner world. But it's a movie that a I think is uh, was a financial flop. You know, uh, I think it's going to lose eighty million dollars. But I mean, like I'm talking about Blade, the original. Yikes! Oh, oh the original, the original yeah. was was yeah, was not a highly successful film and no. only gained a cult. On video, which makes you realize that is where this idea of making a sequel came from, is the cult that sprung Absolutely. up around it. Right, right, right. But I think even within that cult, I think a lot of people who've seen Blade Runner and admire aspects of it, if pressed, would say, eh, I didn't really connect with it. I mean, as much as mm, I love parts me. of it, I don't have an emotional connection right, right, right. to that movie. And I love so many things about like the art of, of how it was made and the, and, you know, the, the yeah. art direction and just Ridley Scott's eye for that sort of world building and stuff. Um, Sometimes but, but but I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine is is a little bit more interesting of a movie in terms of the story it tells. So it is a little bit odd. It's like it's an interesting thing that they spent so much on this sequel to this movie that was kind of that feels like a sure thing based on the way our culture loves right, reboots right. and sequels and the way Blade Runner has only grown right. over the years. But like then it turns out to in retrospect seem like what did you think you were going to get uh, when you spent what two hundred and something million on a on a sequel to a movie that didn't make money. Right, right. You know, I don't know. What were you about who, to say, Ron? Who is this movie for? Right. That, I really wonder that. Like, it's not It's not that this movie will be terrible. It's not that. It's just sometimes that feels like there's a disconnect. You realize when movies like this come out, you can tell that it's older people in the higher ranks. Like, you know, yeah. people that are like, I love this movie as a 20-something-year-old when it came out. Mm-hmm disconnected from the audience who I mean it's I'm, I'm thankful that they made it I'm yeah, just saying it's absolutely. odd that they yeah. they don't normally put that kind of money into an art film essentially yeah. not an art film but yeah, a, it is. but is that much of it's a hard a, sell sort of, you know? yeah. and I think that when it hits stuff like Netflix I think it's going to kill I think people are going to love it but that's the problem with this sort of movie like it's not going to do well in the theaters when people see it at home they're going to be like oh shit this movie mm-hmm. looks incredible on any TV it's a cool ass story you know, it's but that stuff does not work anymore. It's that's something mm-hmm. about it, man. It's like I liked Blade Runner, and I still thought, "Who the fuck is going to watch this movie?" Come yeah, on, man. I mean, honestly, like what sells me on it. I mean, yeah. I think people following the trajectory of of Denny Villeneuve's like, oh, he's incredible. You know, he's like yeah. he hasn't missed for me. No. In, in all honesty, he like makes- he's like my guy. Like every year, he's had a movie on my list. I think since he's been hitting it hard with mm-hmm. you know mainstream releases, and I think that that, his vision, working with Roger Deakins, Harrison Ford coming back, Ryan Gosling being the guy he is. Yeah. Jared Leto, I think, was actually really good in it. Right. Um, yeah, it was a good you use know, of him. Mackenzie Davis is really good. I, I don't know, just the cast is great. The story is really good. Dave Bautista was great in Dave it. Dave Bautista is incredible. He, Dave Bautista is the next one up, man. He He's might be. so good. It's, is it him or Cena? That's what the conversation is about. Oh, it's going to be Bautista. Because um, he, he has range. Yeah, he's already got it. He's got I, range, man. I think, a- I think that, like... I, you you make a great point, and and I don't know the answer. Like, you 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 the answer the only answer I can say is mm. that I feel is that all studios are tunnel visions on existing IP. Yes, mm-hmm. that's it. That's it, man. You know who owns a right to what? Who's still alive from it? Are they willing to be? Ridley mm-hmm. Scott's producing. Cool. Harrison Ford's right. back in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're fucking making this movie. You know, like Denny is doing, I think a Dune remake. Like, who's yeah. that movie for? Mm-hmm. Right, and you know that what I mean? won't do that's well. got like a cult following. Right. Like, that's going to be a probably pretty big budget film. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of it's, but yet it's still kind of niche. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's interesting to see like how they keep going with some of this IP stuff. I'd rather maybe see some original stuff, but right. I don't know. I mean, all that said, like I said, it, another watch or two, I have no doubt that movie probably would move up my list. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I was transfixed for two hours and 40 some minutes watching this movie. Cool. I mean, like Aaron's like trying to get me to do something. I'm like, no, I need to like, <laughs> let me, let in. me finish this. Right, right, right. And, uh, like the tech and like, it did that thing kind of like where Mad Max did it a little bit where there was like really great tech, but it seemed kind of clunky yeah. at times. Mm. And it's so good because situationally it fails mm-hmm. and it like creates real problems. And I, I fucking love that. That's really cool. I love it. So, yeah. So, <laughs> number five. <laughs> Go for it, Mono. <laughs> All right. So, my number five, uh, I voiced this several times. Um, the Marvel Universe is pretty incredible, but it does have some shortcomings. Uh, one of them is the Thor movies. Mm-hmm. The first two were questionable. They hired a small <laughs> indie director to do it in Taika Waititi. And <clears throat> what came about is something that felt new. It felt very fresh. It felt outside of the world of the Marvel movies that we know. Yeah. And that was Thor Ragnarok. It was beautiful. It was funny. It was... You know, it's a little, like, clunky at times. Like, there's some parts that feel a little clunky, but it has heart. And that's something that this movie needed really bad. Like, the the series needed it really bad. Because we all knew that we had the perfect... We had the perfect Thor, Thor cast. Yeah. He was cast. It was mm-hmm. incredible. But he had never had a story that served his character and let him show his chops. Yeah, You know, fish-out-of-water stories are really cool. If you do them right. Yeah. And this felt like the better version of a fish out of water story for Thor. And it worked really well. So <sighs> Thor Ragnarok's my number five. Um, I know you guys felt Sweet. it. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, my number five is right in line with yours. And this is the closest you guys got to a Walkering on this list tonight. Oh, no. Jesus I know there's Christ. been talk. There's been talk about Jesus Walkerings. Christ. And, 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 you know, I haven't done it in a long time. And then there's some people that seem nostalgic for it. Um, <laughs> but I will say this you brought up Marvel so putting one of these Marvel movies in your top 10 is a little bit like saying I'm putting the MCU in my top 10 because regardless of the differences between the different movies I'm watching th- you there is a house style going on you, yeah, you, you, yeah. you are going into the theater for like your regular dosage of what they do that right. they do so mm-hmm. well so I would say that this year Marvel put out three movies that were all great in my mind they were all great. I agree. I thought Guardians was maybe the most emotional. I thought Spider-Man was maybe the most like all-around perfect. But I think why I ended up going with Thor Ragnarok on my list, as you did for mm. number five, is that it felt the most oh, cool. like special, kind Damn. of hard to describe, yeah. something new, something fresh. And it just really appealed to me to have, because uh, Taika Waititi directed my favorite movie of the year last year, Hunt for the Wilder People. It just feels like if he, if he can have two in a row... The sky's the limit for this Waititi kid. Yeah. He could be on my list every year. He could be like Villeneuve. You know, right, he could be right. another guy that you just are you're impressed at what he's able to do and what he's got in the pipeline and what and what's coming. So, the freshness of Thor Ragnarok so good man. makes it special amongst the Marvel movies, but it also points out what they've been doing all along, which is those little subtle degrees of experimentation and difference. You know, and right now at the time we're recording this, we're about to go see. Uh, uh, Black Panther in a couple mm-hmm. weeks and that looks like it's going to be its own new spin on something like you were saying that they're calling it like a James Bond movie right, right. kind of set in the MCU 
uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is supposed to be sort of a romantic comedy set in the MCU. They have this angle on all these movies that feels like, okay, I, they've got the tools to do that, totally. the tools to do it right. And if they do look a little samey, if some of the, the cinematography or whatever is not as different from movie to movie as you might expect, like you look at a Blade Runner 2049 and then you look at a Marvel movie, there's, there's no question that... Blade Runner 2049 is beautiful. Right. And that there's something kind of utilitarian sometimes about the look of the Marvel movies. But they're great. They're super fun. I have a 10-year-old in my house. We like Lego. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that are com- – that are. there's an intersection of a lot of things that make these movies events in my house. Yeah, But, yeah, Thor Ragnarok stood out ahead of the others uh, so good, as, as just a, a, a something something different that I do think has a rewatch value. Mm. Uh, but all their movies do. But right. I, yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting down with that one again. So. Me too. Cool. So Thor was your number five. Thor was my number five, but I thought it was do, do, uh, since we're that's where we're at. What do you guys think about that? Like the fact that Marvel is being accused of making the same movie over and over again, but really what they've done in the last few is sort of prove that that's not quite true. I'm I'm conflicted. <laughs> I think people need to be okay. So I am a fan, but I can look outside of this thing, mm-hmm. and there's something happening in terms of like uh, this phase. Is exhausting, honestly. It's exciting, but it's also very exhausting. Yeah, this three movies a year thing is kind of if exhausting. You've, if especially if you've started. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm an I'm an, I'm an unbiased. I'm a huge like a huge Marvel fan, and I can honestly say that whatever's happening feels a little exhausting. But Thor Ragnarok, if you throw Ragnarok yeah. in every year, something that feels new, the color palette in comparison, because I I. I'm big. I'm big on color palettes. Is not quite the same as yeah. the other. All the Marvel movies do kind of keep the the like browns, the reds, the well. Guardians the, and Thor Ragnarok break out of that with their color schemes, and yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons why they feel different. Absolutely. You know? So um, yeah, there is there there are definitely similarities, and if you and if you and if you calm it down with with like the fandom, there really are, there are some similarities between kind of the dull villains. A something in the sky that's doing something. Yeah, it's it's the same sort of shit, and but it feels like something different is happening mm-hmm. through the acquisition of some of these characters, through stuff like the new Spider-Man, Black Panther. So yeah, they do feel very similar. But if I feel like a change is coming, I feel like they got that memo mid last year or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and th- i feel like it's all three of the movies that came out this year yeah. had different types of climaxes and everything but i still think there's still something about that mixture of like the quips and yeah. the action that is a that's a definite style and yeah. that could be seen as losing its luster and then something like thor comes out and it's so funny and it's right. like that is the exact thing that makes that movie special is that it does operate so well as a comedy yeah. so now you can't even really i mean you know i i wonder what's going to be the stumbling block i mean i, I have typically up till now sort of not not liked that feeling that it's inevitable but i wonder what's going to be the property that just doesn't hit it with audiences i think i think it's gonna be more interesting after the avengers movies are yeah. here and gone i'm very excited to see yeah what's gonna it's gonna because i mean up to this point i mean you can uh, you know if you if they feel there's a sense of the sameness about oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> um a sense of uh, uh a sameness about them mm-hmm. i mean why? If it ain't broke, why fix it? Yeah. But I feel like they could be doing that and not doing anything unique about them. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. Right, yeah. right, right. There, there are voices in that they give these films to right. filmmakers, writers, whatever it is that's doing it. You know, 
like John Watts, Spider-Man, the writing duo that did Spider-Man Homecoming. There's a voice to that film. It feels like a John Hughes film. They're going over to work on the Flash I movie saw that. for DC. Yeah. Um, wow. The guys that wrote Spider-Man Homecoming. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, it's the Freaks and Geeks kid, right? Yeah, and his writing partner, what is the other guy's name is, um, John Francis Daly and somebody else. Oh, cool. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I feel like that's like looking a gift horse in the face almost mm-hmm. to me. Like, we're going to complain that these movies feel the same. Well, they're fucking comic book movies. Like, aren't we aren't we appreciative that even though they have a, a, a touch to them, and like, literally every single one mm-hmm. has a different vibe or a tone or something. You know, like, you know, Ant-Man, like what you were just describing, they all feel... They all feel unique enough to me, right. you know, and that's me saying like I was I didn't even care about Ant Man, right. I didn't care about Doctor Strange, you know, but I went in watching with them like okay, I the angles there, I mean, yeah, it right. feels you like a different film. Doing. Yeah, there, there's something else going on here. Mm-hmm. There's a mystical thing happening. There's like a little uh, well, Ant Man's like kind of like a caper, you know. Yeah, it's like, like there's something film. going down that like yeah. at least kind of knocks you out of that. Oh, basically looking like Thor one and two, like mm-hmm. those are Jesus examples of like Christ. this is fucking the same movie, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, bad, yeah, yeah. you know, but. Thor Ragnarok is a blast. It's yeah. fun as fuck. And man. I watched it just recently again with Aaron because she loves Chris Hemsworth and she hasn't seen it. She loved it. She was like laughing the whole time. It's a good movie. It's man. hilarious. It is. Um, yeah. So my number five. <laughs> Sorry, that's how I transition. <laughs> so, <laughs> so going away from the Marvel films. Yes. Um, and uh, I was gonna say moving over to the DC side of things, but no, I was kidding. I would love. Um, that. No. <laughs> Um, no, 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 no. Um, basically, the last few things I mentioned were like, you know, huge movies, big blo- big budget films. I'm mentioning things like Blade Runner, Dunkirk, mm. War for the Planet of the Apes. My number five film is one of the smaller films on my list, and it's a movie that um, I'd heard about all year and literally just got to see like three weeks ago. Um, it's a romantic comedy drama, which there aren't very many of anymore. Mm-hmm. It's an Amazon Studios acquisition. <gasps> And um, a movie that I absolutely fell in love with, and it's called The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani, yeah. most yeah. people know from Silicon Valley. Um, he stars in the film. Zoe Kazan plays uh, Emily V. Gordon's character, Ray Romano, Holly Hunter. Man, this is what we need more of. Right. Romantic mm-hmm. comedies that have heart, that have family, that have realistic relationship problems mm-hmm. that don't go for like cutesy shit you know sometimes that's okay but the I, I don't know just the fact that this is like based on the real relationship just adds a whole other layer to it for mm-hmm. me you know a very nice touch of direction by Michael Showalter who I didn't know he really did that like mm-hmm. this kind of film um, I don't know too much about him but I mean like I thought the direction was great um, I don't know I, I, I don't I don't know what else to say about it I mean I just feel like Trying to describe why this movie made my top ten to Aaron was just me saying like I love romantic comedies right. and mm-hmm. there's like very few of them anymore. Like if you either of you could tell me the last one that you saw that you like liked more than just it was good, like I would be shocked if you could name me two. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're they don't make them, you know, because they don't make money. And unfortunately, this movie hasn't gotten much love in the award circuit. It got a screenplay nomination for them, which I think is great, but. um just a great it's just a great story a real story a very very funny movie um very socially aware Kumel is an amazing person like 
I've been following him on Twitter for a couple years, and like he's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I love him. I love how down to earth he is. I love how real he is. Every podcast I ever listened to him on, like I just wish we were friends. Like yeah. he just seems like a fan yeah. of life and of film and like of pop culture, like we are. And it was awesome to see him be a lead in the film and like completely kill it. He's great in it. Ray Romano and Holly Hunter as her parents are incredible. I'm, uh, honestly, the two of them so good may have made the movie for me. As they, as, as good as yeah. it was to see Kumail given like room to stretch out, and as good as Zoe Kazan, yeah, as good as she is in a pretty demanding part, actually, because I do think Kumail being sort of an amateur actor at the sort of heavy drama stuff mm-hmm. you sort of feel in a scene where he's op- acting opposite holly hunter you feel the pressure yeah. is on the more seasoned actor maybe sometimes to, to but but he's found a good persona that fits with that yeah. and i think that that was really impressive what, what she was able to do with the character emily that that could be seen as like a, an abrasive twist on like the manic pixie dream girl yeah. type you know like they're kind of j- joking back and forth is very sarcastic but it's like I think that it settles into a believable rhythm yeah. very early, and, and you need that because the, they're not on screen together. Let's say for most of the film, right? Um, and cool. yeah, but Ray Romano blew me away, and and Holly Hunter too. They, they had they both I'm kind had of moments. bummed out that she didn't get any kind of awards. Yeah, they were. Like, all, I thought she's incredible, but I think with Ray Romano was like he's quietly a very good a actor, beast. Yeah, he, what he just kind of kind of snuck up in the last couple of years. What did you ever want? Men of a certain age. Yeah. That show on like TBS yeah. or TNT. Mm-hmm. That he was, Everything he's on, he's great in that, he and that's kills, dramatic yeah. comedy. You know, soft yeah. drama. He's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, Big Sick is on Amazon now. So if anything yeah. else, you don't know how to get to it. Like, if you have an Amazon Prime account, yeah. it's available to you. I think Kumail. I don't know if this is still true, but I know there was a time where he was posting that the whole movie was up on YouTube. Really? He like was saying it's posting here. It's like it's on Amazon. You should everyone should be able to see it. But if you can't afford that, right, right. here's the link that he posted a link to the where you can the watch the movie? whole movie on YouTube. I think so. That's so funny. I didn't. I know I see link. him posting like links to Amazon like every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. But he's funny. Um, no, I agree with you about him seeming like just a lovable person. Yeah. Like you really do. Like he feels like he's not. I don't know. He's he's not one of those comedians who is going out of his way to be, um, un PC. He kind of leans right. into the opposite side, which is like it's great when someone can do that and still be funny. Yeah. When someone can be yeah. thoughtful and sensitive and yet not like milk toast. So it's always good to like root for someone like because you like them, but then when you find out that they're amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I was feeling this way when we were talking about I meant to, meant to mention it when we we're talking about Margot Robbie, like with the Itanya conversation. Yeah. Like I've I love her. Yeah, yeah like, she's pretty. She's amazing. amazing. Like yeah. listening to her talk and her life and like what she supports and things. I feel the same way about Kamal. Like I just. Yeah. Him posting things on Twitter about mm-hmm. like how love he loved the most recent episode of X Files, yeah, <laughs> like just makes me feel like yeah, everything. He's funny, man. But the big sick is I loved it. Yeah. If you like the rom com drama, whatever you want to abbreviate it with, um, it's inc- I loved it. It's incredible. I'll just tell you my favorite Kamel joke uh, that I was surprised he didn't work into the movie was that he said that one time someone maybe he said this happens a lot, but guys mm-hmm. like drive by and lean out of the car, rednecks, and they yell Kumar. And he says it really pisses him off, not because it's racist, because they're so close. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny, man. The, the, the joke in the movie when Ray Romano is like, so 9 11. Yeah. You're right. And, so and, he, and, and he goes through, he's like, yeah, he's like, it's a tragedy. Yeah. We lost 11 of our best guys that <laughs> <Yeah>. day. <laughs> that fucking scene. But that's a tragedy, and I shouldn't joke about it. It's not yeah. funny. So he does good. great trailing off. And it's funny to separate his true self from the character he plays on Silicon Valley, yeah. who's right. more of a hapless schmuck. Right. But it's still got that same kind of like underplay. <laughs> dry yeah. quality if 
if you are a fan of him, you should watch uh, the meltdown with Kumail Namjiati and Jonah Ray. Mm-hmm. It's mel- like is, that, a, is it a series or a TV a, show? It's like a TV show where they have comedians. It was like on a it. showcase that yeah. they ran out of uh, the Nerd Melt. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the cool part about it is, like, behind the, the scenes, theater. it's it's Emily and him just kind of talking oh, in between cool. the comedians. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's is it, is it on, like, amazing. YouTube or something? Mm, I the mean, meltdown? if you have the... If you have, like, I have uh, the means. Yeah, if you have uh, anything, like, what, a Roku or anything oh, like yeah. that, you can get the Comedy Central app. Oh, and, it's on Comedy Central. Yeah, it's oh, okay, Central Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. Jonah Ray and Kumail together. And then sometimes Emily shows up because she's not really a comedian. She doesn't consider herself. But she's backstage a lot. So it's cool to see him like kiss her between comics. Like, I'm going up. I'm nervous. I I just love the movie. It's kind of amazing. I loved it. I I was so bummed I didn't get to see it in theaters. Right. And like it just kept getting pushed back, kept getting pushed back. And I was like, I got to see this for this list because it seemed so perfect for me. Man, uh, so. I loved it. I'm so conflicted because I've been going back and forth on my four. And I think I'm just gonna say the big sick because I because there's another movie that was there. Aaron and I went to go see it um, at uh, one of the smaller theaters, and fucking bald. The big sick. Yeah, bald, like little babies. Um, at some of the scenes, it's it's just such a good movie. Um, you said a lot about it, but you know, being a person kind of invested in them, like listening to their podcast, mm-hmm. they talk about video games all the time. And well, the indoor kids was their God, show. Yeah, that they, oh, man, didn't they do that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they they're just an amazing couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and her kind of speaking about it, kind of in passing, and then seeing it on screen. Yeah, just a well acted movie. So, you, you did her dad really cheat on her mom? That I don't know. Because if that's not that, that would be a weird thing to invent it for the movie. Be. If I was her dad, I'd be like, "Whoa, hold right, on here. Right. Let's not invent." Uh, did I just spoil? To just plop in the Is that a spoiler? <laughs> I guess it's a spoiler for the big sick. It's been out. Right, right, right. Um, uh, okay, so yeah, my um, my number four is a movie that I kept trying not to have on my list. Mm. I don't know if you've ever had one of these where oh, it's yes. like you don't really want it on your list, but you keep realizing that in terms of how it hits you. I don't know why I don't want it on my list. I think it's just because it's on everybody's list this year. But Lady Bird, yeah. I thought it was such a good movie, like just so well put together, and it had those the stuff we're talking about with the Big Sick, mm-hmm. those performances, those moments between characters that just feel so, like there's you feel affection for for all the characters. It's almost a villain free story, you know. And I like that. I like when movies are 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 villain free. Mm-hmm. Not always, right, right, but like right. Brigsby Bear had that quality right, right. of like the 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 people who could have been heavies, the cop and the FBI guy or whoever that was that Beck Bennett played um or Matt Be- Matt uh, Walsh as his his birth father. Like those are characters that could have been the heavy or the villain of the right. story kind of and they turn out to be something different. Cool. And I thought Lady Bird was full of that where it it, it reminded me of real life. It reminded me of Maybe a very mundane kind of suburban existence that might be familiar to you guys too, but definitely yeah. was familiar to me. Uh, so the specifics of her life and her age and her gender and everything didn't prevent me from tapping right into that right, right. character who's at that point where people are, you know, guidance counselors are talking to you about your potential and <laughs> your parents are talking to you about what you're going to do with your life. And if you have any dreams, they better start sounding like a plan, you know. Uh, um, no, just full of these. Uh, I'm going to try her name. Is it Sherishi? Saoirse? I thought it was Saoirse. Saoirse. I 
not even going to. I don't want the joke to be that people's names are fucked up. I want the joke to be I'm terrible with right. pronouncing people's names. Right, so right, if right. I if I, I'm you know Cersei 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 you know I'm confusing her with Cersei on uh, on Game of Thrones Cersei. Searsha. Searsha Lannister. Cool, cool. The actress. Searsha <laughs> Ronan. Searsha Ronan, um, who is, I mean, so natural and so great. Just every She's utterance really is just deadpan yeah. great in this. Yeah. Um, her uh, her friend, played by Beanie Feldstein, yeah. who is Jonah, Jonah, has, Jonah, Jonah Hill's sister. little sister, which I did not know, but you can totally see it. Yeah. And they both have a very... There's a goofy, easygoing, natural quality they have as performers. But I really think in a lot of ways this movie belongs to the scenes between uh, Lady Bird, uh, well, I'll call her that instead of the actress's name, um, and her parents. Yeah. Laurie Metcalf, I went into this expecting her to be great because uh, that was what the trailers really sold yeah. me. But on top of a great story about a girl and her mother, you get this little stealth story about a depressed dad yeah. who's handling life with a certain amount of quiet dignity and you keep waiting for that moment where the dad or the mom turns into an asshole or stands in the way of something. And it's really just much more normal than that. Right, and there's right. some scenes that are so mundane and so sweet and so quiet, they kind of break your heart for just how believable they are and how right, true right. they are. You were saying, Ronald, why are people raving about this movie so much? Yeah. And I really think it's a movie that doesn't put its foot wrong. I think I've mentioned that to you. I think that that makes it unique on my list. Right. That there really isn't anything about it that I have any problem with. Yeah. It may not hit some of the highs of some of the other movies that I love from the last year, but it was so good and it, ha- it left me with such a feeling. You know, sure. it's, it's kind of like you want to call your mom after this movie, but Absolutely. not 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 in a oh my god, I feel so bad way, but just in a connection, just talk, How are just you? just be part of your life yeah. and appreciate each other kind of way. So yeah, I think that there's a reason why this movie is getting lots of acclaim, and the fact that it's uh, sort of an auteur attempt from Greta Gerwig, <clears throat> who's been kind of creeping up the ranks in recent years. I do think that's very significant. Yeah. And that is another reason why it feels good to have it on my list and to see it nominated is that it is, you know, it is crazy that uh, celebrated female directors are so so few and far between right. in terms of, like, yeah. we're, we're in the middle of award season now, but in terms of that kind of acclaim. So, yeah, I think this is a this is, is maybe a quietly important movie, not, not one of those loud right. important movies, but a movie that just sort of does a good job at what it's trying to do. Uh, my number four is Wind River. Oh, uh, Taylor Sheridan. John mentioned it earlier. I think you mentioned it, right? Yeah. Um, my yeah. number seven. I don't know. I just, I just love, I love his stories. Um, I love how much the environment, the town, this, you know, the state, the the country, whatever it is that the the movies all take place in, whether it's Sicario or Hell or High Water or this film. Um, I think, you know, it plays such a big role in the story that we're being told and um, it benefits this film greatly. I just feel like it's a mystery. I'm doing air quotes that like doesn't focus too much on like the deep dive into what the mystery is or like, you know, into the investigation process. It's a little more messy. It's a little more uh, abrupt. It's a little more just random, you know, in terms of where it goes. And, you know, I think... Elizabeth Olsen um, is really good in it, but the the real thing for me, I mean, Jeremy Renner is incredible. Yeah, like uh, whatever attempt is being made to make him a star, like just stop. Like he's like this kind of actor, you know. Like I feel like he was really good in a film a few years ago called Kill the Messenger, which did nothing, mm-hmm. but it's not a big movie. Just like this was not. Um, God, he's so good in this. But the character he plays in this um, is heartbreaking, and. Um, it's such a layered performance in terms of history and backstory and future 
and and you know just what this character does in his town and what his place is with his family and mm. you know in the relationships that he has with people in this small town is it in montana i think or it's something like that um but just in this world where like so many of these like you know, Native American women just go missing without anything happening, and, right, and this right. one happens to someone that he knows, and he happens to stumble across it. And you know, Wyoming, Wyoming. Thank you, um, Jesus, Steve. I, know. I thought fuck? you said you liked this movie. <laughs> it's a great movie, man. But I don't know. Just the way he stumbles in, into this into this story right. is is really um, is really important. The way he stumbles into this story is important when you find out what his backstory is. Yes, yeah. and it's heartbreaking. And um, the last 15 minutes of the movie is perfect. Like The last only... scene of that movie might be one of my favorite scenes of the year. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, like, it's there, so There's perfect. another movie on my list that might have a, a challenge to that mm-hmm. last okay. scene. All right. But Wind River, yeah, the last scene's incredible. The last 15 minutes on that mountaintop mm-hmm. yes. um, is, I mean, like, my nerves were fried. Kind of like I felt like when I watched Captain Phillips, mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier. Yeah. The last, I mean, that's a different experience, but following what was happening, there's a shootout sequence in the movie that is kinetic and scary and mm. and just so messy and raw, and it's amazing. Yeah. And But Jeremy Renner takes this film in the last 15 minutes and just, like, threw it into the top five of my mm-hmm. list. Yeah. He's incredible. If you like Taylor Sheridan, anything he's done, like John said earlier, he's, he wrote and directed this film, like Jeremy Renner um, or Elizabeth Olsen, outside of the Avengers world. Um, they're amazing together, and Jeremy Renner yeah. is like he's good. a revelation in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Yeah, I wish he could do more of this kind of stuff and stop putting him into like or or, or making a career out of like Mission Impossible and Avengers yeah. movies. Like yeah. that, do those. Yeah, sure. But come back and do these because you were great in this, man. Mm-hmm. man. So kudos. There's a scene in that movie where uh, Elizabeth Olsen is like underdressed. Oh yeah, and she has to put on that jumpsuit yeah the woman gives her fuck man <laughs> it gets me like mm-hmm. it messes with me a little bit there's horror and sadness in wind river and yeah. you see the effect of it on people and a quick shout out to john barenthal for a quick performance but awesome though incredible yeah and he doesn't always i mean i don't know he's always good but this was a great use of him because it kind of played against absolutely what you're expecting there's an expectation when you see him yeah. on screen that took me for for a surprise right. yeah loved it all right cool what, what number is this? This is number three. Number three. Number three. Um, this one crushed me in a lot of ways. Uh, it was an emotional roller coaster. Here's the thing about what I'm about to say about this movie. All three of us know that the person that's being highlighted this year for this movie has been putting in work for damn near 20 years. And it fucking bothers me. And people were like, oh, Sam Rockwell. Oh. This kid, oh, God. <laughs> Pisses me off. The three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri is a spectacle acting-wise. Everybody, I think that people are just saying that Sam Rockwell is incredible in it. But that may be just because people just don't watch him and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's great in it. Of course. Absolutely. That is... I know that. Yeah. But everybody is So incredible. is Peter Dinklage. So is yeah. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Everybody so is Francis McDormand. Is, people yeah. are acting their ass off. Small time. I like small scale stories. Mm-hmm. Um, because you feel it a lot more. The, the ripple effect of of this murder in this town and what this woman does to fight this kind of culture of just, you know, next case. 
sort of fighting that through something that is so visceral, so visual mm-hmm. that, you know, you can't help but notice three billboards that are questioning the practices of these police officers in this town and how things are handled. The only reason they get my number one is because I, I saw it so late. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, it's, it, I felt a little weird that something jumps from nothing on my list to number three. But this movie was fucking incredible. I've I've watched it twice. Um, I felt it even more the second time. Francis McDormand. That, there's a there's a soul that this movie has um, that she has. Francis McDormand has in this movie that just feels so. You know somebody like this. We all know somebody mm-hmm. who is considerate and loving, but angry. About something, you know, you yep. know what I mean. It's such a good movie. No, she and it almost like she holds it together, really, in a way. She does. Like, she, like, she's so grounded yeah, yeah. that she makes a lot of the things in the movie that might be hard to swallow. Yeah. Like at least, you know, the first time you watch it, you're just kind of taking it as it goes because those emotions feel so real. Yeah. What do you think of the criticism of the movie for uh, l- seeming to give a redemption arc or let off the hook? Uh, Sam Rockwell's character for being a racist and a corrupt cop who sounds like he may have beaten or tortured a a black man or may even have done that habitually. Do you think that the movie suggests we should let him off the hook or do you think the movie exists in like a black comic zone where just because he's doing something right doesn't mean he's redeemed, doesn't mean he's off the hook? Definitely the latter for me. Yeah, Yeah. I think think there's just something where we have known people – who have done horrific things, terrible things in a way. And I think that it's never too late for somebody to kind of change, you know, it, it whatever he's done up until that point is very self-serving. He's an angry person taking it out on other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a point during the course of this movie where that changed. Yeah, I don't know if it redeems him from beating black people up. That No, not, not, not at all. But... People can change. People can see that something is weird about a system and try to change it. And I think there's, you can redeem yourself at any point in your life. Is it is it going to absolve you of all the terrible things you've done? No. But I think it's something cool about the idea that somebody who's been so bad, so terrible, can see some wrongdoing and, and say, man, man I, I don't agree with this. Mm-hmm. And maybe affect change in a way. So I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I don't think it let, lets him off the hook. He, he suffers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no way around it. Like, it, I don't think so. And at the end of the movie, if anyone's reading into that ending as like a, a gung ho happy ending, no. I think they're missing the tone of the film. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, 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 right. There's, it's a, yeah, it's a cool movie, man. All right. So my number three, let me make sure I've got, yes, my number three is uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, All right. I loved this movie. I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was full of really cool things and that Ryan Johnson, we've been talking a lot about swinging for the fences. You know, there's a lot of that in my in my list this year or just in the movies that I really appreciated from this year. There's a lot of ambition. And I did find it to be ambitious, and I did think that it had interesting things on its mind, and I did think that the visuals were stunning in some cases. In some cases, some of the best visuals we've seen in this series of very visually stunning movies. But in other ways, just another, like, 
Star Wars always it's always been kind of reinventing itself as it goes along. People don't really think about the fact that when George Lucas made the first Star Wars movie, he didn't know yet that Darth Vader was going to be Luke's father. When they made Empire Strikes Back, they didn't know yet that Leia was Luke's sister. They, they were, you know, Spoiler alert! Yeah, I know, jeez. Sorry, folks. But, like, so the notion that Ryan Johnson's going to come in after J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan and make a movie that sort of takes what, what they were setting up and turns it around a little bit right. and sort of pays some of it off but also sort of shuts some of it down, that was seen as this... Huge rebuke to Force Awakens and the, the the crowd reaction, the fan reaction to this movie was so interesting and yeah. really kind of annoying going back and forth that I really hated that we didn't get a chance when it was fresh and it was right. happening to really talk about this movie. It's a movie about failure that actually depicts various heroes and characters whose plot lines are entirely about them trying something and failing at it, you know? Yeah. Those are kind of bold things to do yeah. in, in a way. And I think that Ryan Johnson really did have something on his mind. Uh, I do sort of wish the movie had somehow managed to be 15 or 20 minutes shorter. That middle section that I think you were alluding to before that feels like something from Attack of the Clones. Or Harry Potter. Or Harry Potter. Like, second viewing, I, you know, and I'll confess, yeah. I have movie pass and a 10-year-old, so I've seen this movie three times. <laughs> right. um, uh, second viewing, I was like, oh, it made a lot more sense. The On the script level, it's a lot stronger movie than I thought. Right. Third time through, I was like, no, I just love this movie. What it's trying to do is so great. There's really only two story points that I'm sort of like, I wish that they had written a line differently or had something that made this so that so that it was more explained in the what film. What are they? Um, I'll just say there's a scene. I'll, I'll bring up one. Okay. Uh, there's a scene in the movie, especially on the third time through, where it just stands out, where uh, Admiral Holdo should have told Poe Dameron what the hell was going on. There's a moment where he's oh, like confronting right. her on the right, bridge right, of the right, ship right, right, and he right. calls her a traitor because she doesn't seem to have a plan. They just seem to be running. Right, right, right. And there is a plan. Oh, right. And right. he's about to go and do more and more stuff because he's uninformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a hothead. And they're not informing him because he's a hothead, but he's more dangerous uninformed than he is informed if you take that approach. Right. Right. But the movie never comes back and has Leia or Holdo say, you know, we should have told you. And, and, and that's what's missing. Like if that line was in there, then it would be like, oh, this is, this is a, a feature, not a bug. Right. You know, but since that line's not in there, that leads me to believe that they, they just didn't, I don't know, that, that part really is not yeah. as worked out. You have to kind of squint at that. Yeah. But otherwise, I think that the, the way that this movie follows up with the new characters and the way it handled, oh, I haven't even mentioned Luke Skywalker yet, but the way that it handles the notion of who's a hero and what makes someone a hero yeah. and what is the value of being a legend or of, of being a hero oh, in this right, world, right, right, right. I thought it did a really good job of conceptually demonstrating the power of myth, the power of, of a story. Yeah. Because at the end of the movie, we see how the story of what we've been seeing is affecting other aspects of this world. Um, and I, yeah, I just thought it was a really bold, cool slice of filmmaking that having seen it three times and knowing I could watch it again, that's something. You know? Can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Last question I'm going to ask you about it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'll say that I like this, mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask you how you felt about it. I like that some of the answers were really simple. Oh, yeah. It's just like, no, no, it's not all of this stuff that you thought. Yeah. It's just this. Yeah. I thought that was really bold. I thought that was one of the boldest parts about this movie is that some of the answers were way simpler than people were expecting this elaborate background for some characters. And it just was 
It's very straightforward. I agree. And I think that that, that approach to everything makes the movie kind of special. Because, mm. the, like I said, there are heroic missions that fail. Mm. There are battles that end in defeat for the good guys. There's a lightsaber battle that's not really a lightsaber battle when you look at it. There's something cool about the fact that a franchise as massive as Star Wars can actually do that. Can actually make a movie that feels fresh and bold. You know, especially since we're in this crush of now there's going to be one every year for the foreseeable yes. future, to actually stand out, yeah. I thought was noteworthy. And it does make me excited to see what Ryan Johnson has in mind for this trilogy me that he's too. doing. However, I wonder what kind of course correction is happening inside the Lucasfilm machine based on the fact that that fan backlash to this movie, it was a really weird conversation. I don't know if you guys noticed it. There were a lot of, yeah. there was a lot of animosity towards this movie. And it reminds me of the people petitioning DC for the Snyder cut of Justice yeah. League to be released. It just seems like there's people, a people have the, the people the sense of entitlement. The, well, they finish the storylines the way they want them to see yeah. right. the realization, and when it doesn't happen, like Ray's parentage, like that's the biggest thing that people, people were talking about after about Force Awakens, and like yeah. when this film has such a simple answer. I love that. Um, also, Snoke. Like, that doesn't fit when are the we going to find out more about yeah. Snoke? What's his story? Yeah, yeah. This movie kind of makes some of that irrelevant. Did this movie feel like the end of a trilogy, though? It less did, less than the middle bit. part? Like, at the end of this movie, yeah. if they had said, no more Star Wars for a while, <laughs> that ending would have felt like yes. almost like a way you could have done it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number three is a movie that I've been waiting to see come to the screen for years. I watched it on the television as a kid. And it's uh, now one of the biggest horror films of all time. And, uh, hey, Georgie. <laughs> uh, Stephen King's It. Um, mm. I talked about this movie a lot when we did the podcast on it. And I'm not going to go too deep, uh, only because if you listen to this podcast, if you know me at all personally, anything right, like right. that, horror, I love, I love Stephen King. Everything that's up, the story of it is just like an incredible thing for me. It just matches a lot of, of the points that I look for in movies and the storytelling and the nostalgia of it, the time period that they chose to set this film version of the book in um, just lines up so perfectly with me. And I've watched it a few times since it came out uh, on home video. And uh, it's just something that I can just kind of go back to and watch over and over again. I mentioned on the episode that we did of like modern horror films that I think like will stay the time, and I think mm -hmm. this is one of them. Um, I think what Andy Machete's accomplished with the young Cassidy had put together is incredible, and it's the kind of thing that we talk about when we talk about Stranger Things, like just the dynamic of a, of a group of kids mm. um, that feels really genuine and real and, and manages to somehow work in this story of a horrific monster that like is only intending to kill them eat them based on what they fear most right. things like that i just loved it i mean like i i had issues with it there's a couple of things that i still don't love about it like some of the cg stuff i take out and that still kind of bothers me a little bit mm. but um like you said at the top of this podcast like there there are things like that in a number of the films that i have on my list and mm -hmm. i'm not going to hold that against what i see is a humongous horror achievement mm -hmm. um for you talk about IP, you know, it chapter two, hopefully it's on my list in 2019. Mm. Like, I can't wait to see what they do with casting. I can't wait to see what they do with story and how they round this book out. Um, I will continue to campaign for Jessica Chastain as Beverly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I just loved it. Um, you loved it? I loved it. <laughs> oh, okay. I loved it, the film. <laughs> uh, and I loved it. Uh, in the middle of the movie where you're sitting there thinking I'm loving it 
I'm loving it. I don't know, man. Like, I I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I, I had some issues on where I was going to put this on my list. But it is where it is, mainly because I want to see how they finish it. You know, I, I watched this as a standalone thing, and I appreciate it as such. But as much as I love this story and I love the book, I'm I'm... I really want to see what happens and how it closes out before I can say what I want to say about the, yeah. the, the films together. Much like I had War for the Planet of the Apes in my in my list now because mm-hmm. um, I don't think I had the other films in my list because this one was like a punctuation for me for that series. Cool. And this is a great start for this two-parter for me. I hope they don't make it into three like I've heard rumors of them doing. Don't. be a horrible decision. Right. Um, but again, I think it's a modern horror classic. I think especially if they nail the second part, like especially if the book is right. is is in the same ballpark, you know, like I, yeah. I'm really intrigued by that because I've never been more excited about the notion of a horror sequel. Absolutely. You know, so often if you see a horror movie and you know they're already planning a sequel, you go, oh, yeah. boy, you know, <laughs> right. Like that goes against what makes a movie special in a lot right. of ways. But this is one where you actually are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I think that's a that's a cool and it's place so amazing that in be. 2017. We were able to say, as horror fans, that one of the biggest horror films of all time came out this year. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a huge thing for the genre and for... Stephen King. Yeah, for <laughs> Stephen King. I mean, what like, everything that's happening with Stephen King properties now. Yeah. Pet Cemetery, Doctor Sleep, like, mm-hmm. uh, 1922 is on Netflix, you know, Mer- Mr. Movie, Mercy yeah. or whatever it's called, is a series. Like, it's a big moment for Stephen King, but... Mr. Mercedes. Mr. Mercedes, yes, yeah. sorry. But this film is like is an amazing thing and mm-hmm. I'm so happy that it happened this year and now and even you know us talking about movie theaters and going to see movies like you just said how, it's been a while since you've been like so excited to see a horror sequel yeah I mean you, you there's some properties that we're pumped to see like you know we'll go see Conjuring 2 oh, you yeah, know yeah. Or, or maybe even an Insidious film I don't know uh, but I don't think any of them really, at this point, for me, compare to how excited I am to see It Chapter 2. Yeah. Cool. Um, and an iconic uh, character, Pennywise, finally brought to the screen in, in a great performance. Yeah. An interesting take on the character. And uh, the more you watch the movie, kind of like some other films that we've talked about and that may be on some lists, like you pick up on these little creepy things that you maybe didn't see the first time. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's so good. I loved it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's my number three. All right, cool. So, uh, number two. Yeah. So, uh, man, uh, Pixar has a very interesting way of making very difficult things to explain very simple. Um, I was wondering when I saw this poster, how are they going to do this whole dead people thing in a way that doesn't feel like insulting and gives homage to, like, you know... You've definitely been in a place where, you know, with your family, there's so much history, right? Mm -hmm. And I've never seen a movie explain and pay homage to family and family dynamic and people passing in a way that Coco did. And, And maybe it's just like just reminiscing on how different your life can be. Like, as you know, from a kid, Absolutely. you think about all the people that were in your life. Yeah. First part of your life, second part. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's crazy. And this movie did a really good job of explaining all that in a cool way. And it, it messed with me. Aaron Aaron got me to watch this movie. And I was like, I'm not going to watch this movie about <laughs> dead people. How, how can I explain? I just watched, 
you know, I, it's, I, it's tricky. It's a tricky thing because yeah. it it goes in and out. Like I know this is super weird, but you know that scene when they went to the office and the guy was like, "I I miss having a nose." Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like man, that fucks with me bad. I don't know why <laughs> that. Fuck. It's like little parts that are like Jesus Christ, but it does a really good job. Um, I bawled, like not in front of Aaron. I like at like took in the movie and then like went to the bathroom and I was like. Oh, man. <laughs> I kind of just let it all out. Uh, it's a great, great, great movie. And Pixar, man, they have this care about these subjects that just I can't ignore. I can't ignore it as yeah. a, you know, like it's it's a really well done movie. So I'm kind of sad it wasn't on my list now that you guys have reminded me of how emotionally affecting it was. It just finds that thing of like beyond mm. explaining something that could be... I, what what is so unique about some other films is like you, I get worried for Pixar when I hear oh, about yeah. as an adult what this film's about, right, right. Because I'm like, how are they going to explain that to kids? Right. You know, Inside Out, your emotions. What? How yeah. the fuck are they going to explain that? And this idea, how are they going to make that interesting? Yeah, right. and and like yeah. about death and the afterlife and what happens and, but I mean, there's always that angle of like, this emotional connection to something that everybody understands. Yes, and yes, yes. um. And it just it it's just that is what makes their storytelling work. Yeah. And like the you mentioning the the importance of like your family and like your traditions and your memories and like that. And and like I mentioned earlier, I think that anybody can like think of a person that they miss a lot. Yeah. And like the reality that they'll never be forgotten because you refuse to ever forget about mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that everybody can relate to. Yeah. So whatever the story is, whatever the culture is, teach me about this culture I know nothing about. But let me connect to it by having that thread of emotional right. throughput right. that like every single human on this planet right. could possibly find. Yeah. And I mean, well. man, they fucking kill it. It's they so, it, I love that movie. Yeah. It's a good movie, man. And visually, we haven't really Gorgeous. mentioned, it's like, it really is yeah. like a high watermark for their... Yeah, the afterlife, like yeah. that whole city, like yeah. how it looks. Mm-hmm. The when 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 um when he tries to escape the city when he first goes there and he kind of sinks into the pedals and the yeah. bridge. It's like, Amazing. What? And also uh, a vocal cast that wasn't, at least to my, you know, blinkered American <laughs> point of view, I, it 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 did not seem like it was chock full of celebrities for the sake of celebrities. It felt right. like a cast of it's like two of of relatively yeah, Benjamin Bratt and yeah. uh, oh god, there's one more one more guy, not the guy that was in Rogue One. I always get these two guys. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Diego Luna was in Rogue One, and it's and then the other guy. The guy that's going to be Scarface or something like that? Isn't that the... That's Diego Luna. Yeah, Diego. Yeah. Not him. The Not other him. guy. He was <laughs> in Mozart Not in the him. Jungle. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was also in the... Um... Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, was... yeah, great voice hey, cast. Guys. Yeah, yeah, but, great. But, but a, a good point, though. Like, not stars. Which I loved. Yeah. I loved it, They man. didn't pull a Kubo. Right. And just have right. a bunch of, of right, right, you know, right. white actors that, that <laughs> everyone knows their names. Right, well. <laughs> Doing accents. Uh, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. Bernal, yeah. 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 My number two is a movie that I think people will look back on this year and will say it was an important film. And it may have been the beginning of a, of a great career, but... Whatever the case, when Jordan Peele wrote and directed Get mm-hmm. Out, I remember when they first started talking about this movie mm-hmm. and, and they were closing down uh, Key and Peele and they were talking about what they were doing next. Jordan Peele was interested in directing and, and I saw this interview where he said that he was a horror buff yeah. and that he really wanted to do horror films. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Because like, I think that comedy and horror, I've always said, 
They have a lot in common. They both deal a lot with surprise. They both are working or they're not working. You know, if you don't think something's funny and you're not laughing, it's probably not working as a comedy. And if you're not scared, it's not working as hard. So it just felt like, what's he going to come up with? But I love how interested he seems to be in the genre. And then as time went on and it became more, you know, it came out and it got all the critical acclaim. There was a lot of this. It's not not horror. It's a social thriller. Which to me, I don't know how much he buys into that. Maybe there's a certain amount of him wanting to be taken seriously that you would say that. He he calls it that. Right. Right, right, right. But, I mean, like, the sunken place is now just part of the vernacular. People talk about the sunken place. Oh, I was going (laughs) to... And and and, and people talk about like I, th- I just think there's a lot of things like this movie has become a, for better or for worse a, a, a meme in a way you know yeah. but I think that we needed that in a way like we needed this and I will now say I do believe it is a socially conscious horror film I don't think that makes it different from a horror film there's been a lot of those horror has used been has been used by a lot of directors as a as a place to play around with big ideas you sure. know and a place to play around with what does this mean what does this represent and I just think this movie right through to uh, the awards season when it got put in the comedy and musical category yeah. on the Golden Globes and that started a whole new wave of oh if you found this movie funny then you're racist no 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 but I mean it's like it's <laughs> but it's yeah, an interesting yeah. debate because I remember being in the theater the night we first saw it and I remember people laughing and jumping and gasping and a lot of that may have been with the shock and recognition of seeing something on screen that they hadn't seen before absolutely and maybe for yeah. another part of the audience it was a little more distant and a little more detached and as a white person watching Get Out I don't know that I did have the full reaction <laughs> but I think that the reaction I had was strong and I yeah. saw what it was trying to say and I saw that Jordan Peele hadn't lost his sense of humor along the way. Um, the detail of someone uh, eating cereal dry and then drinking, drinking a little milk. milk with it. I've done that before. It's an indecisive <laughs> moment in your life when you like, put some cereal in your mouth and you're like, you know, I do need some milk with it. But I thought that was so brilliant. Like little things like that made the movie fit into that well-observed comedy zone, character-based comedy that we know Jordan Peele can knock out right, of the park. Right, right. This from a technical standpoint, I don't know if the movie really wowed me at first at first viewing, mm-hmm. but as it has had time to grow, I really do. I I really admire the clockwork precision of it. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with this guy's career. I wonder what he's going to do next. I hope he finds ways to blend those two things even more. I, I would love to right. see him do something that's even more on the face of it funny and also on the face of it like getting at issues that people can't get at any other way. So yeah. so yeah, like I just think this is one of those movies that people are going to be talking about. Forever, uh, you know, or at yeah. least for, for the foreseeable future, people are going to be throwing back to this. And uh, and it really might be that in 10 years we're talking about all these great films and projects that Jordan Peele has spearheaded. Right, right. So, I, yeah, I love where he's at right now. And I think that's a, that is a big reason why this movie goes so high for me. But it's also just, you know, it's as a movie, if it didn't have any of these other aspects, I just think it's, it's made with a lot of thought and care. And it's, right. it, it does, as much as he might be saying this is not a horror film, it's a social thriller, it, it shows a lot of love for the genre. Gotcha. So cool, cool. Get out. Um, number two. My number two is uh, the best superhero film of 2017. Holy! And uh, it's not in the MCU or the DCEU. It's in the 20th Century Fox X Men universe. <laughs> All right. It's motherfucking Logan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know that. I've never felt emotion uh, in a superhero mm-hmm. movie that I felt watching Logan. And that's for one main reason. Mm-hmm. And that's because I love Hugh Jackman and what he's wanted to do for a long time and has tried so hard to do with the character of Logan or Wolverine. Um, and this is a film that is like, you know, the end of an era. And it's like 
and to hear the story about it getting made and what James Mangold was able to do in terms of the production and Hugh Jackman pushing for certain things and basically making like a Western film and um, giving the character like the gritty nature, the violent nature, uh, the R rating, which, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and argue that like these movies need to be R. Right. But I think this is a film that highly benefited from it. Coming after however many movies he did as the character where he was never able to really cut loose. Right, right, right. right, right. It was, I think, worthwhile to say, let's finally look at what it looks like when you when your weapon yeah. is razor-sharp knives. Right. And, you know, like, what does it really look like after a fight with Wolverine? I right, think this right. is the first movie where they really sort of, you know, showed you how gruesome it really is and what the toll must be on him. Right. You know, right. That's the that. irony of it, is that you get a film where you see how gruesome his power is or his... Yeah. his gift or curse but the irony is is that you also see on how it's affected him mm-hmm. yeah. and and in such a negative way when it literally starts to eat away at his at his body and mm-hmm. and and wear him down in other ways um i think you know bringing in the lar storyline and, and patrick stewart's performances xavier um are also great um boyd holbrook is great in the movie i mean i just felt from beginning to end this is a movie that it Oddly enough, we talked about seeing movies, you know, in theaters by yourself. Mm-hmm. I think there was one other person in the theater when I watched this, and we both looked at each other when we were crying during this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and we shared that moment together. Um, it's an, an extremely emotional film, an amazing effort to give a character the 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 moment that he n- needed as Wolverine or as Logan. I love Hugh Jackman. This is the a kind of thing where we're like he was was how how would anybody feel like he was not born to play this character? Right, right he's right. incredible, and um, and this would be the film um that you know I would say. In talking about the ending to Wind River, you know, alluding to this uh, having one of the most um emotionally resounding endings yeah, yeah. and final shots uh, of a film for me at least this year, and. Uh, Man, I'm just so happy for Hugh Jackman that he got to make this movie. Yeah, that the movie was a huge, huge hit. Yeah, um, for him and for you know that character and for the franchise and um and I'm really happy to see that there was finally a superhero film getting a writing nomination at the Oscars this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a thing now. Yeah, like that happened and right. it was this movie like an R-rated Logan film. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's a great movie, man. It's it's one of the few translations from comics that's changed a lot. That's it's been you know the interpretation of it's very different, but fucking amazing. It's the old man Logan in general. That whole idea of right. just him being an older person right. has always been pretty captivating. Well, seeing the end of the line for a guy who oh, who absolutely. has this ability to survive, yeah. you know, right, and it, have it turn against you mm-hmm. as an older person is kind of incredible. It's like what you. It's it's almost like anything you think about an athlete. Like what does this what does this superhuman what happens to the superhuman like Andre the Giant almost? Like mm-hmm. what happens to him once he gets older and his bones start aching yeah. and he can't move quite as well and I think it's pretty incredible. So that's that's a great pick. All right. Your cool. number one for Man, Ronald. You know you know what my number one is. Get get the fuck out. <laughs> and here's why. Uh you were saying something, you alluded to something about, like, cultural significance, right? Like, people say all the time, I was I was confused, I was in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. And the sunken places become that same thing. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, 
he's fucking in the sunken place. He can't, he didn't know what the fuck. It plays it plays with lighting very well. Like just light and the absence of light and mm-hmm. like just a world being very big and then getting smaller and smaller and smaller and something that I love. Jordan Peele really plays on like sound mm-hmm. a lot. And there's something about just hearing like a a string from a violin that sounds like it's just mm-hmm. like happening really quickly. I fucking love what he does with sound in this movie. And obviously the social commentary, I've seen this movie like at this point, like eight or nine times. Oh, that many times. Wow. Yeah, I've seen it a ton, man. Is that your biggest of the year? Your biggest rewatch of the year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mean, like, I've, I've been to like get out parties. I've been to, and there's something about the conversation that this causes. Like, I, there's a lot of people that just don't know that there's a lot, there's just dread that happens in mm-hmm. these social situations that people just don't know about. Yeah. And I think that's something that really brought light. Like, somebody came up to me. And was like, man, you really feel like this when you're in these social situations? People really say weird things about mm-hmm. your physicality or lack thereof or mm-hmm. strength or, you know, it's it's a very strange thing. And this movie is one of the first that have kind of made this into something. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tap you. Uh, as a issue that I think is, you know, not really talked about yeah. in a serious way. So Get Out's my number one. Awesome. <clears throat> Cool. Big year for that movie. What Big was the year. final gross on that? That was insane. Like it was a, it really two billion dollars. I think it was yeah, like two fi- two I think fi- it was like two fifty. Two, I think like... it was two fagillion dollars. Two, yeah. <laughs> two fucking billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Just he's swimming in money. Like all right. Well, yeah. my number one. You know when you get to the end, the odds that your movie that's at number one is not going to have been mentioned yet is is very low. So okay. of course. Steve had to get there first, but Logan was was my number one. Oh, for cool. I was wondering where it would be on yours. I knew. It I would mean, be high. it just it uh, it's a great great movie, it and is, I've man. watched it recently. Me too. And I ugly cried, <laughs> just like I did the first time. And I think that, and we've talked about Hugh Jackman, the the culmination of what he was trying to do all these years, and like finally getting a chance to go and make a, a grown up movie. And I know what you mean, Steve. I don't want to over over accentuate this idea that like. R-rated films is the way they ought to be. But like just like Deadpool yeah. made use of its R rating in a way that made it a better version of itself, this movie could not have existed without the sort of unvarnished quality. And yeah. you don't really want to see it. Like the third or fourth time that he puts his claws through someone's face, that's grim stuff. Yeah. You know, like that is, so right. the effect of that on you watching it is grim and you it really underscores, as we've already said, how the effect on Wolverine all these years right. of right. seeing this has affected him. And and I do think that's important to get into the humanity of this movie, to, to, to realize that there's a part of him that is kind of like waiting to die. Hugh Jackman gets to take this character to this logical conclusion that really does pay off everything that came before while at the same time kind of rewriting the past and saying that maybe what you've seen up to this moment is not what really happened, you know, very subtly suggesting that the previous X-Men movies are akin to the comic books in this world yeah. that don't tell the full story. This is interesting. Um, and then also you've got... Patrick Stewart playing, I mean, he's always been really authoritative in that Professor X role, but this is such a human portrayal, such a, the way that they are sort of like a father and a son, and it is the elderly parent with the the middle-aged child, and they're kind of back and forth. It's funny, it's sad, it's touching, it's poignant. It allows both those actors to act their pants off, but it also really does show you the depth of this relationship so that the things that happen in this film 
even though it doesn't feature every X character that we've come to know, mm. it feels like the tightening of the, the the closing of this loop on this world that we've been seeing all this sure. time. This really does feel sort of like the end times. Yeah. And actually what's hinted at in terms of the direct backstory to this movie as far as what happened before the events of this movie is so dark yes. and so sad and so depressing that it just puts, uh, if you really think about it, it puts such a shadow over the character of Xavier and not just what he does in this movie, but everything he ever did up mm. to this moment. Like, yeah. they both seem like characters who have done things that have sort of erased the good they've done on some level, you mm-hmm. know? It's really heartbreaking and really, you know, talking about The Last Jedi making some bold choices with the character of Luke, this movie does that with Logan and Xavier and how, you know, just these really cool, bold choices. This actor's leaving this role, let's make it a special movie. It doesn't feel like the eighth or ninth movie. It feels like a very energized group of people going into making a movie. That feels like, I heard someone say recently, that a good screenplay is the story of something that only happens once. Oh, right, right. And I think this feels like a movie that can only happen once. This doesn't feel like, oh, come back for another chapter of this, or it's the same thing you've seen before. This feels like something that can only happen at the at the end for these characters, like when, when things are starting to wind down. And the future that it hints at is so well delivered in this film and so developed that I have to say, if if that is lost in the Fox Marvel sale, if the promise of what the next story in this series could have been, if we lose that character and and her yeah. <laughs> her trajectory in the Marvel, I'll actually be bummed about that. Like yeah. it, as cool as it would be to have Wolverine come over to the MCU in this theoretical future crossover. I don't want them to drop the thread of what James Mangold was saying they were they were cooking up for what the next chapter sure. would be because I think it's a cool direction. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, yeah, just a really special movie that uh, that really tugs at your heartstrings and has badass action and has has moments of humor and just a mood, a sustained mood that it's like a western. Yeah. It's it's a it's a mood piece for sure. It's got an also an amazing like what the fuck moment at the farmhouse scene. Oh yeah, like. The middle of the night scene, like yeah, uh, yeah. Your yeah. mind is bending and yes. your heart is breaking, yes. and you're realizing you're realizing that you're what's what you're seeing happen is actually happening. Yes, and yet you're seeing how that's possible. It's, yeah, it's you're right. I know what you're talking about. There's like a moment where things just go crazy, and they're crazy for the next 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. There's there's something Fucking about so good. how you know that whole like with great power comes great responsibility sort of thing. Yeah. When somebody, it's something about when a person of a certain level of danger behind them goes to a place, how much that affects everything. Yeah. Like yeah. somebody what, just what you plops put, on yeah. your doorstep and then like chaos just because they're there yeah. has nothing to do with you. And they've lived their life. Person. You know, this fictional character in this case has lived his life knowing that he has that effect on people. Right. And then just knowingly, puts people who don't have anything to do. It's fucking amazing. I thought I think it just it played out really well. I yeah. thought it was really well. Have you seen it in black and white? Have you seen the I haven't, but I, I intend to watch it. No, that sounds good. Uh all right, so my number one film is um I think this just kind of solidifies that this is the movie of the year for movie schmovie and it's get out. Mm-hmm. Um oh, it makes me happy. Yeah, too. so this is a it, it's a masterpiece. Like yeah. I, I I've seen it not maybe not nine times or whatever you said. I've seen it easily four or five times. Right. Um, I think it's, it's it's an excellent film. It is surprising on so many levels. Jordan Peele is such a fresh voice in whatever genre you want to label the movie right, as. Right, right. 
uh, whatever it is, he's in the conversation, you know, um, he's one of only three people I think ever to be nominated for writer, director, and a film for an Oscar. The first mm. black man to ever, or yeah. Yeah. First black man, third overall. Wow. Um, that means something huge. Yeah. Like right, that right. is, that is a huge accomplishment for him and, and he deserves it. I think that, uh, what stands out to me about the film is that it's legitimately one of the only films of the year that everybody was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. When it came out, um, movies have multipliers when they come out, um, as a factor of what their opening weekend is versus their final box office gross. And, you know, movies that are made on a four and a half million dollar budget, the mm-hmm. fact that this movie made a ton of money, 250 million plus, Jesus, um, is huge for Jordan Peele, for Blumhouse, for Universal, for uh, the genre. Yeah. Whatever you want to label it as. Well, I mean, let's do it. Let's, let's put it in the genre because it's similar to it in that category. It's like, it's a movie that, that you might look back, it might yeah. be for years to come, one of the more successful horror films. Yeah. It, it it will be yes, and and I think it's important to let it be that you yeah. know, and and to and to embrace that it it at least can have a seat at that table of of, of genre. Yeah. And one of my big takeaways, like when I was saying at the top of the show, like of my list, like I I, I embrace the fact that most of the pe- the most of the movies on my list are genre films, mm-hmm. which tend to be a lot of my favorite movies. And Get Out is the, uh, it it could not how could it for me I was like asking myself, how could it be any other movie than this this mm-hmm. year? Um, it's a movie that people talked about this year. They'll be talking about next year and for years to come. Um, the fact that you're describing Get Out viewing parties is, like, wild. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, it's just... It's it's a it's a phenomenal... It's a phenomenal movie. I don't, I don't really... It's, it's legitimately important it is, as a man. film. It really is. And yet yeah. it's entertaining as fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's it's everything that like you'd you'd want something that would be challenging, genre labeling, sh- cha- uh, challenging, uh, you know, systemic racism, yeah, in in our country or in the world, um, and yet still finding a way to be entertaining and to yeah. allow people to, you know, tell everybody to come see it to the word of mouth to make a movie a huge hit, and. You know, for people to embrace a movie that is challenging. And, Didn't feel know, like taking medicine at all. Right. At all. I don't think I would have been as enthusiastic about this movie if it wasn't for the two of you. Oh, really? Like, man, I was. I'm telling you, like, before this podcast, I did not fuck with horror <laughs> films. Like, I wasn't interested on any level. And then it combined a bunch. Of, I like Jordan Peele. I like what he does. And then I was like, man, this is something about this feels very different. It's Blumhouse. I'm like, I love what they've been doing. And it just, there's a scene in that movie that messes with me so bad. Just off of, like, urgency. Like, it, you know, we, I think, didn't we go see it together the first yeah, yeah, time? Yeah. And people shouting at the screen. The mm-hmm. screen, the scene with Allison Williams. Williams, where she's like, the purse scene? Yeah. Give him the keys. Give me. Yeah. It's like, what is happening? What? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Man, I have seen that movie enough. To not be messed with in that scene, and it messes with me every time. It's something about that urgency to get out, mm-hmm. and somebody shifting, and your world just like I'm not, I'm yeah. not leaving this place. Mm-hmm. I fucking loved how that was done. Yeah, because it. I mean, I, typically 
twists in movies are done really, really. It's very obvious. This didn't feel quite as obvious. It's like the it's, longer she rummages through her purse, the more you're starting to go, okay. Why is this happening? What, yeah. What? Why have we left out of the? Oh God. And but it plays against genre stuff so well though, because right. like no scenes you're talking about people like yelling at the screen like, "What are you doing?" Like you know the person yes. that drops the keys all the time or mm-hmm. like trips when they're running or right. they get out mm-hmm. of the room or whatever. But in this situation, it's like it's an intentional. It's an intentional thing that she's doing, oh, yeah, which yeah. is like even more horrific than yeah. just the unfortunate, you know, nature of somebody literally dropping a key enough for that, yeah. you know, a killer to get to them. Yeah. You know, but in this situation, it's something that she's intentionally and her and I mean across the board, the casting is amazing. It's the so cast good. is incredible. Yeah. Uh, Allison Williams is really good. No, she's, she's really so good. Kind of good. setting up what she's kind of like known as. It totally she, goes for and it. Yeah, all in. She doesn't um, get enough credit for that, man. She was so yeah. good in it. Yeah, but Bradley Whitford, Catherine Keener. Um, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is great in it. Uh, yeah, I forget what's the um, yeah, and he's one of my favorites now. I mean, like, I yeah, like he's yeah. great, yeah. yeah. Ka- Caleb J- Joseph Landry, yeah, mm-hmm. the brother, like Oof. that, 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 that brand of insane that he plays, yeah. also great in Three Billboards. I know, and also playing like yeah. a likable yeah. guy, yeah, yeah. Really in know? Three Billboards, yeah, just great. And uh, what's the um, his friend, what's uh, Chris's, yeah, I mean, um, uh, Lil Rel, Lil yeah. Rel. So good. Uh, he's a great comedian. Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, comedian. admit I've never heard of him. Uh, he's great. great. He's so, so good. That's where most of the comedy comes from. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. when no, people think back, yes. when I think back on laughing at that movie regularly, I really think it was his. The dosage of his moments is what gives the movie yeah. that comic feeling. Because I don't think otherwise, the lead is not a it, like even before things go south in the movie, he's not. He's not a jokey guy. No, you know? no. he's not. Rea- he's no. reacting with a certain. His guard is up. I should say. Yeah, like the Allison has some comedic beats, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that Bradley Whitford has some funny moments. Yeah, you know, as this super like, cringy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lakeith, man, you know what's also very interesting when you see the beginning, and then you see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. I still, I'm like that connecting it still is. Like, oh, fuck, that's the same dude. Mm-hmm. The same dude from the... It's It still messes with me. It still messes with me just yeah. how all that stuff kind of plays out. Yeah. It's a really smart movie. You can tell that he wrote... He had, like, a, a web of stories. And there's a lot of stuff outside of what we're seeing that he just kind of it kind of stepping into some of that stuff. He kind of abbreviates it yeah, almost he abbreviates, hints at there's it. There's something in his head. He, there's a bigger world outside of what we saw that's yeah. still being considered as he makes the movie that, you know, you kind of can talk about forever and ever. Yeah. And ever. It does feel like a lived in concept. You're <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I could watch a movie about whatever that business is. Mm-hmm. I'd watch a part two about just the business of that, the business of all of that stuff that happens, the manipulation and the, the previous people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a like, yeah, it's a cool movie, man. Yeah, uh, and Stephen Root is almost like a secret weapon for any movie. He's such a good yeah. character actor. Across the board, everyone in this film is great. Yeah. I think the the thing, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is just Jordan Peele. You know, can't wait to see what you do next. Right. Um, it's also just another tell of look what amazingness can come from any place. Yeah, you know, a comedic writer on a sketch comedy right, show, right, right. a black man who is now one of three people ever nominated for this, like. You know, whatever the color of your skin, whatever your background in writing was, whatever your TV credit is, whatever gender you identify as, like, 
what great minds are out there that aren't even getting a chance to tell a story? Mm-hmm. And here's a guy that comes along, his first movie is nominated for <laughs> major, major categories. Right. And it yeah. was one of the biggest hits of the year. I want more voices. Like, give me voices. Give me people. Give me filmmakers that are coming from places I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that this movie is right. so singular and like he's such a fresh voice. And it hopefully it like just blows doors open for chances. So not, not that awards are everything, but just for the conversation, uh, you think Get Out wins this year? I think it'll win something. I, I, I pray to every god there is that it wins Best Picture. Ooh, pray. I don't know that it right, will. Right, right, right. I don't know that it will. The Three Billboards, man. I think Three Billboards is like. There's a weird the, the backlash on Three Billboards is hurting it a bit that John mentioned earlier. Yeah, right. quite a bit actually. Um, wow. So it's kind of like a weird right. Best Picture race now. It is. It's really helped get out a lot. Mm. It's and almost like it's not the same, but it's similar to La La Land and Moonlight last year in the sense that La La Land was seen as the the front runner. But by the time the awards rolled around, there was a little bit of a, do we really want to see this movie win? And mm. then people were visibly relieved and happy that it was Moonlight instead. I did see Get Out looming large you know because mm. critics throughout the year have been very kind to it so i thought that it'll get some attention but i'm sort of surprised that three billboards is the other movie that seems like it's the front runner i mean there have been so many you know like the yeah. i mean the, the post dunkirk yeah um, i mean i think it's get out three billboards phantom thread maybe dunkirk but shape key, of water is also doing that, pretty that, well. that that's the one that like you know actually that's it that's the one well Three Billboards, Shape of Water, Get Out, probably. Yeah. But the thing with the body that votes on the Academy Awards, it's like, you know, all the critical stuff is great, but a large body of the membership is not that. It's like trade, and it's actors, and it's cinematographers, and writers, and, you know, producers, and... Um, and supposedly after Oscar's so white from a couple years ago, they worked hard to diversify the the, who's voting. Yeah. And I, I do think it shows. It absolutely shows. I mean, how amazing would it be to, to, to go from Oscars so white? I mean, I know, again, you know me. I'm always the guy who points out how important optics are, even knowing mm. they're not the whole story. Yeah. But to go from that to Moonlight and then follow it up with Get Out right. would be such a... At least it would show it can happen. Yeah. It doesn't mean we can all re- relax and go back to just right. the way we were before. Right. But it's like we with a, with a little attention and with a little bit of a of like an, a tangible pushing of different voices, you can actually broaden that that category of what's an Oscar-worthy film? Who, yeah. who, what does it look like up there when people are accepting awards? I think yeah. that's... I mean, I don't want that to always be the thing, but that's one of the... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty PC guy. I try to be yeah. PC. I'm excited when I see these shifts happen because it seems like, okay, that's what should have been happening in our culture all along. Right. Yeah. Hollywood really is going movie. to be this, this great, yeah. this great yeah, yeah. force... For, for social change, they need to get their shit straight. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Like, today I heard about, is it, God, I don't know what the numbers are on that, but, like, as far as, like, you know, um, like, non-actor, non-female-specific categories, the the number of people that aren't white men who have won Oscars, like, in the, in the percentages, nuts. is fucking crazy. So low. It man. is such a low number. Yeah. I mean, it's just, cr- I mean, when you think about what happens year to year, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, but when you go, okay, there's only been so many black people in the history of the awards nominated for these awards, and there's yeah. only been, you know, so many like, women. the first so woman women. ever yeah, nominated for, for a cinematography award. That kind yeah. of stuff just tells you and that, the fifth okay. for director. Yeah. And, and what, and, and how, how much is this, uh, 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 like from the 
top to the bottom problem where these people aren't really being hired. They're not being given the chances. So the fact that it's happening and that it's squeaking through, I mean, I hate to say it's squeaking through because this is quality work that's getting people into these, uh, these, you know, this acclaim, but I don't know. It's an interesting thought to me, just, you know, it'll never be over. That'll, it'll never be a fully level playing field, but you can see at least some of the effort. There's uh, some attempts, man. Yeah. That's something pretty amazing about that. I mean, Greta Gerwig deserves something this year. Like, I, I mean, I didn't think the Lady Bird was like the best movie I'd ever seen this mm-hmm. year, but there is something to say about how well that story was told, how amazing the actor was in it. I, I'm not going to discount that. Mm-hmm. There were just so many movies that kind of knocked it back. Yeah, but it was a good movie. I, it just, it just kind of shocked me that people were reacting the way that they were to yeah. it. It deserves something. It is maybe original script. Mm-hmm. It's a fucking good movie. Like, I, I, but you know, I'm wondering what's going to happen with that. That mm-hmm. bothers me. That the the fact that there are just women making amazing movies that just aren't getting. Like, I just watched Roosevelt, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Roosevelt, uh, with um, what is her name? Jesus, she was on Master of None. An indie movie that was written and directed by a woman that was really well told. I've heard nothing about this movie in anything, mm-hmm. in any aspect, any pers- the, It's it's just it's strange, man. But it's it, it takes a while. It's, it's happening though. Yeah, it's happening. You can yeah. feel it. Yeah, and the good yeah. part about it is the the reason people really have to understand this. The reason why it took so long is because there was nothing to magnify the voices of the people that were like, hey, look at the imbalance that is existing. And the internet is a perfect place for that. Mm-hmm. It didn't exist in the same way. It wasn't as powerful. You couldn't just post something on Twitter and it would be on CNN as a headline. That was not a thing. Mm-hmm. And now that it is a thing, it's bringing attention to people who should be uh, highlighted. So I don't know. It's, I, I knew that it was coming. I'm glad that it's happening. And that has happened in our lifetime is crazy. It could be that the forces that greenlight these big movies, or mm-hmm. just these movies that that people talk about all year, they're, they're going to start to realize that, you know, an all black cast, uh, a woman led film, a woman directed right. film, these things are not. There's been this conventional wisdom that 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 stuff fails at the box office, right. that people don't come out for it, and I think we've just seen again and again yeah. this year is a big one. No, that's not true at all. Yeah, Wonder well, Woman, huge hit. Yeah. Get out. Huge hit. It and these are movies that, that definitely wear on their sleeves, yeah, yeah, yeah. that aspect. You know what I'm saying? So I it's, think that there is a – there that is the lie that's been told for so long that I think is starting to maybe erode that notion that, well, it's an economic decision yeah, yeah, to keep yeah. these voices quiet. It's like, no, actually people come out for it. And it's like people are about to see, I think with Black Panther in a couple of weeks, I think people are about to see something explode. Right. And I think that's going to blow all the – the doors off that that particular bit of conventional wisdom right. that that for some reason there's an economic imperative to stick a white guy in the lead of a film you right. know i mean this i i'm this is a dream of mine to, i mean i get out is the first in a really long time where i heard somebody just talk about a movie and not just say this black movie get mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. black panther is gonna be that movie too like it's gonna be another movie that people just are like it just so happens ahead Chadwick in it as an yeah. amazing character that is very black, but it's just a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that is removing that stigma about a movie is gonna be 
something that needs to happen or like a women-led movie like it's just a movie about a person ronald stop trying to cram your pc agenda down my throat <laughs> too many women directed films gay people in the movie i know it's too many stuff. films about black people uh, the voices are getting too diverse <laughs> yeah and and you gotta thank places like netflix that are giving people an opportunity to create mm-hmm and it's 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 almost it shouldn't be counterculture, but it's starting to feel like it is. Just you know, something to shake shit up a little bit. So I'm happy. So does anybody want to rattle off anything that they're shocked we didn't bring up, uh, or just your own personal feeling of shockedness that didn't make your list? Um, I mean, I, I made a pretty long list, so I don't want to like yeah. name them all. But other movies that I mean, I, I also enjoyed Three Billboards. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. uh. Really enjoyed Good Time, The Disaster yes. Artist. Good Time uh, was so good. Was I kept trying to get it on my list, but for some oh, reason, man. I don't know why it fell off. Yeah. Uh, Baby Driver, I really liked. I, um, I did enjoy The Post. Uh, Gerald's Game. Yeah. Logan Lucky was a lot of fun. Movie that no one talked about, no one saw, was Stronger. Did you guys see that? No. How was Boston it? Marathon Bombing. Oh, no, no, no. I wanted to. Jake Gyllenhaal, man. Yeah. He's the guy. He's the guy. So he what do you is, think man. of him for Batman? He's the guy. You he's think guy. he's? I think really is that? That's who Matt Reeves is. He on the short wants. list? That's what's it's cr- a very short list. Yeah. of just Jake Gyllenhaal. What's funny is that was, there's still what, an Affleck bat appearance or two to be made. I think. Right. Yeah, but I don't. I wonder if that'll actually happen. I doubt it. I just want them to decide and stop messing with our emotions. That's no, just crazy. Like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if Affleck's Batman's in, and there's a hand down. Like maybe there's like a Robin, maybe. Jake Gyllenhaal's Robin, and he takes. If they do it like that, that I, I don't okay. think Matt Reeves wants to do that. He though. doesn't want to. Well, I mean, I think he wants to do a totally like he wants to set up something different. How I do... think the idea of Affleck being in the Flash movie is just because he's established as interacting with that character, and I think Ben Affleck does want to do like fla- like one more, like a swan song. And they're choosing like the Justice League of Flash stories. It's like Flashpoint, Flash which is. Yeah. I don't know if you know anything about Flashpoint. I don't know if you've ever seen Flashpoint anime. would be a great movie. Like, the third movie, like, it'd be like a good third movie after they've established yeah. this universe, right? Why? The, it's it's like it's they're DC, doing Ronald. Civil War. They're doing Civil War well, you know, for wh- the first Flash movie. You know why it works for them? It's like Days of Future Past on the X franchise, though. It, yeah. Flashpoint gives them a chance to reset. Yeah, at, they can use that movie to do whatever they want to do to course correct their yeah. their universe at this point. Whether they're admitting that or not, I can I can tell you that's what they're thinking. They're is we can it. we can put some of this shit that's not working to bed. Right. I also enjoyed Brigsby Bear. Yes, John Wick Two. Why did Split. I... John Wick came out in 2017. Yeah. God, John Wick 2. That's a great movie. Kong Skull Island I thought was a lot of fun. So yeah. good. Girls Trip, fucking hilarious. Tiffany yes. Haddish, lover. Uh, I thought Happy Death Day was a very good surprise of an old school slasher horror Can we talk flick. about that for like two minutes, man? You can. Just a, just a pleasant <laughs> surprise. That's all I was going to say. Uh, such a pleasant surprise. Look, 20 seconds I'm... of the two minutes, Ronald's just going... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Look, I'm telling you, we... we... We connected on that. We did. It was a, did. such a fucking. It was fun... an afterthought watch where I was yeah. like, "Ah, eh, whatever. I'll see it eventually." And I was yeah. like, "I wish I would have saw it in theaters." Right. I liked it a lot. It was mm-hmm. fun. I need to see it still. Love Jessica Chastain in Molly's Game. Mm-hmm. Didn't love the film. Didn't I love didn't it either. It. But she was great. She's great in it. Mm-hmm. She and Idris um, both were, were were really good. And three very small films that are hard to find, but I would encourage anybody. Patty Cakes was oh great. That came out this year. Yes, it did. Oh, Landline. Damn. I mentioned before on the podcast. Okay. I really enjoyed. 
And there's a really good little film called Super Dark Times mm-hmm. that mm. is um, kind of sort of not not Stranger Things ish, but it's you know high school. It's like a John Hughes indie film if a uh, a body was dead bodies involved and like what how does that fuck everything up? Really small movie. I randomly heard about it on another podcast I listened to, and it was it was pretty good. How do you feel about this wave of? Kids on bikes. Four or five teenagers <laughs> in the eighties. <laughs> oh. Yeah, this is this is actually interesting because this is in the nineties and it's super nineties. Oh. oh, cool! It's nineties to like greatness. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is there some Nintendo in it? No, it's dark. It's super dark times, <laughs> Ronald. These are flannels. These are oh, flannel cool. kids cool, cool. living in like the uh, grunge. It's, it's grunge yeah, it's somewhere up. I think it's in like the northwest, like somewhere in like Oregon or or okay. Washington State or something like that. But cool. it's a pretty cool movie. But that, that's everything that I had that wasn't already mentioned. I, too, enjoyed Spider-Man and Thor. Um, but what else you guys got? Um, I mean, I enjoyed, uh, you know, in the in the flawed but brilliant category, I thought The Shape of Water had, had some real strong elements to it. I thought Phantom Thread had some really strong elements I was shocked that wasn't on your list. It, you're you're a PTA guy, hard. Uh, yeah. Inherent Vice wasn't on my list the year that I know because that so. movie was that shit. Was incoherent. <laughs> no, Phantom Thread. It was nominated for it, zero Oscars. At one point, it was this one like, is nominated for four. I think it was like in that nine, ten, eleven spot at one right. point, and then it just as I saw a couple of other things, it just kind of fell down. But no, I think for Daniel Day Lewis and for PT Anderson, it's a really amazingly crafted movie. It's full of textures and and yeah. and very sumptuous and and also it has a perfect ending and then goes on for another five or ten minutes which is always a problem when Mm. you feel a movie ending and you think it's about to go to black and there's a part of you that's like hell yeah and then it kind of trickles you know which it might be part of the way the storytelling works in that movie um and i also had i tanya and uh i i cried at call me by your name but i army hammer is miscast in it so it's like it's really more about timothy chalamet than it is about army hammer i wish they'd cast someone who looked 24 in this role, that's the one that I didn't finish. Oh, oh yeah, oh. I, uh, the 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 last chunk is so much better. Like I've heard, maybe not so much better, but I mean, if you stick with it, yeah, the the real impact is in the last like fifteen yeah. minutes. I mean, like you'll feel this deep in your guts, Stuhlbarg, right? Like a sense of longing. Yeah, mm, Stuhlbarg. I've, I've heard everybody say that. Well, that's the other thing about Shape of Water too. It's like he's the best thing about too many things to not one day get like a showcase. The thing. Yeah. Maybe he's best in that little corner of the movie. Because he does have a monologue towards the end of Call Me By Your Name right. that's just devastating. Um, I also had Good Time on my extended list. It, pretty much everything got covered. I wow. think I think we covered the, the spread pretty well nice. this year. Did yeah. you have anything that just had to be it, mentioned? Baby Driver and Marshall. Marshall was going to make my list. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, man. it's It, it just doesn't... It's weird. I heard, like, not good things about that. I thought it was done really well. I think what was really cool about it is it felt very, like... It was very considerate about the times and all that mm-hmm, stuff, but mm-hmm. it told the story was really fast paced. It didn't feel like a white savior sort of deal. They were really working together to kind of solve. That's the criticism that I heard a lot of people saying was that like it's like Josh Gad becomes like the star of Marshall. Oh, that sucks. But but you're saying no? Yeah, there's like a there's like a good Balance. exchange okay. that happens between them. I, I, I think it's, okay. it's done really well. Um, and. So, uh, Baby Driver and it, I, it, so good. I, 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 the only reason it didn't make my, t- I felt real bad about having, I didn't know Get Out and It 
being on the same list, and I was like, put in my top three, boy. You no, that's did. what I was saying. You know, it's funny you that did. you had a you similar thing, Steve, <laughs> with your list. You went for it. Because I had that same thing of just realizing, no, there's some blockbusters, there's some tentpole movies. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a Thor movie and a Star Wars movie and a Wolverine movie right. in yeah. my top five. You yeah. Know? And King Kong, man. And don't don't undersell this. Get Out's a blockbuster. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it is. It is. It, it, it was so weird the way that it happened, though, man. It was like, and as a genre piece, too. Yeah. It just kind of spread and spread and spread mm-hmm. and kept getting bigger. King Kong was a, a great movie. I had mm-hmm. fun with that movie. Yeah, man. It was super fun. I watched it again, so and I was like... Right, this is this is it, fun. I love that it just starts from the moment they get on the island. It, it gets... does not stop. <laughs> Eddie... And from the moment John C. Riley pops up, it's like it's yeah. got such a oh yeah yeah you know, John C. Riley is... such a blast. Yeah, so that's those are my picks. I I, I love our list, man. Like I like how yeah. different they are, and and it's still enough different. difference. But there's obviously oh, like there's, some there's a through line that we are yeah. definitely on. The, we are on the same wavelength. That was 2017. Yeah. So what are we doing next? Oh, Jesus. What's... Black Panther. That's right. Yeah. You better get with it. Coming soon. About to change the world. To mm-hmm. a theater near you. Man, you, these... I, can, I can, like, feel it. Yeah. I can oh, feel it happening. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, like, it's amazing how, like, this movie's swelling so hard. Like, mm-hmm. whether it's early tweets from the premiere, Fandango pre-sales are, like, surpassing any superhero movie ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just, like, MCU, ever. Um... And there's just so many things hitting, like the soundtrack with like Kendrick Lamar producing it. Like yeah. so many things are lined up for this movie to be a cultural moment. And I guarantee you at the end of this time next year, I would be shocked if this movie is not a part of this podcast hardcore. I would too. This episode hardcore. I would right, too. Right, right. I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like there's so many things. I hope there's not uh all this hyperbole around these premieres and tweets and stuff. Right. I, I try to pump the brakes on a lot of it from being burned before. Yeah. But nothing I have gotten any impression from points any other way. Right. I saw someone who said, is it the greatest Marvel movie ever? They were like, I don't know. But is it a new, different movie that in some ways raises the bar for what you right. can expect from Marvel movies? They were like, yes. They were just saying that at this point, it's hard to call any one of them the greatest because of what we were yeah, saying before. So, there's they have, they have there's a, a lot of little flavors. Right. Yeah. But the fact that this is its own thing, and when you earlier said James Bond, I was like, okay, now, yeah. now I'm, I, I was hooked before, but the notion that this is like... The tech. The yeah. tech and the, 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 the like... <laughs> The, the the scenery the, yeah. the the lushness of it the fact that he's a baller I mean I just think there's I just love that really the fact cool. that this character is a king who's yeah. got all the gadgets he's smart and he's a badass fuck. and he's super smart I just think that that's just a cool character and the idea that, I don't know if you know the I don't know not going to no, talk about this okay so I'm yeah, not going to say I'm anything going cold yes so there's a lot of cool stuff to it the yeah. fact that he is always going to be battling. There's yeah. something really cool about that. The fact that he's always going to be like, ah, I'm Black Panther. The other cool thing about that is you Super know, cool. I mean, we said James Bond. That's a tantalizing template for them to yeah. plug a hero into. But what's missing from James Bond oftentimes is that thing that I think Marvel typically does really well over the course of a movie is what's the arc for the hero yeah so we've seen this Black Panther character be this super self-possessed guy who's like moving like a shark through the story that we saw him in in Civil War mm-hmm. but to see him in his own story where we're going to get his background and we're going to see like what makes him tick and we're going to see like whatever challenge I'm really excited what's that going to be like yeah. a guy who's got basically all the smarts all the gadgets all the power what's his challenge going to be and like yeah. what's going to be his journey over the film I think that's a really cool thing yeah. to picture because I don't know what that's going to be at all they've, they've managed to hide that from the 
It was seeing two Black Panther, technically two Black Panther stories in one year. Mm -hmm. Come on. Are you are you yeah. kidding me? Infinity Wars too, yeah. and it looks like he's prominently placed in that yeah. story too. Yeah, at least there's a big battle that happens yeah. in Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Like. I'm so excited, and I'm very excited to see Michael B. Jordan's villain. Yeah, oh I my keep God. reading about that. It's so making cool. me uncomfortable because I'm like, this is a good villain. Oh man, I'm. Could they? Yeah, I mean, I'm ready. they could have it right this time, maybe. I saw yeah. where someone said the secret to having a good villain is make him sexy. You know, like make right, him right. make him like compete with the hero, right? right. For, sure. As far as that goes, instead of being what a great this, starting point, yeah. Right, and they right. pointed out Tom Hiddleston was like that's one of the reasons why he works so much is because people like Tom Hiddleston and he's got a cachet, yeah. Right. And they he's he's allowed to bring it to the character, you know. So no, I'm, oh, I'm really excited. Just, yeah, man. Can't it, wait. And, yeah, visually Can't it wait. just looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm avoiding all visual things about it. Mm -hmm. I'm avoiding all like screenshots extra because the footage that's footage they keep it starts to trickle sneaking out. in man yeah. uh watch the jimmy kimmel interview i'm like why are they showing this footage i don't know dive cover yeah. your eyes roll oh. off the couch but yeah so the, hopefully that'll be our next episode we're hoping to get out an episode uh on the 16th the day that black panther comes out so cool. hopefully that'll be the way things go right. um and then maybe after that it's interesting we'll be i guess that's right when the oscars hit right is right after that? It's like yeah, March not too far. Is it? Is it the? No, I think it's the end of February. It's out February. Oh, Isn't geez. it? Yeah, I think so. Holy so it'll be time for the Schmovie Awards before you know it. Oh boy, I've been building some categories, John. <laughs> <laughs> I've been taking notes this year so I can contribute to the nominees this year. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's exciting, man. It's an exciting time to be a Schmovie listener or a Schmovie host. What a time! What, what a time to be alive! A time! What a time! Drake, what a time to be alive! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for uh, listening, guys. Yeah. We've been uh, feedback has been amazing. <laughs> it's so strong. It's so good that Thank we you. are. It's so constructive. People listen, though. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's keep a good listening, part. People listen. Thank if you, you saw something this year that we didn't mention, obviously tell us because yeah, we want to make sure know, we watch man. it. Seriously. Um, and you can find us on whatever podcast platform you choose. Most likely, we're there. If not, tell us, uh, and that'd be great. And if you can leave a review or a rating or share, even if you don't want to review or rate it, just share it maybe. That'd be nice too. Yeah. Um, and like John said, hopefully next time you hear us, we'll be talking about how amazing Black Panther is. Yeah. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Mm -hmm.